Welcome back to the Couch Command, where we do a journey through geekness. Today we'll be doing a review for the uh, 20-something... 16? 2016 sure. uh, horror movie called The Void, and it's pretty uh, pretty rad. But with me today I have Matt. Hey there. Cool. And I also have with us, from Lobster Magnet Reviews, Isaac. Hey, thanks for having me again. Woo-ha. Okay, so... Uh, instead of doing what we usually geek on, we will do that, but, uh, was it the DC fandom something is going on right now? Fandome. Fandome! It's a fandom. The AKA, we don't want to pay for New York or San Diego Comic Con, streaming culture has made it completely obsolete, so let's dump all our releases, and, uh, <laughs> AKA public event, uh, dome. Oh. How's, that is a little sad how streaming culture did, like, it was, uh, as of this year, I finally, like, settled into how E3 doesn't matter anymore. Oh, God, I forget, we were supposed to talk about it, but then we were, yep. you were, like, so collectively disappointed that you were like, it's not even worth it. It's not, oh my God, it hurt. Uh, like, the, the, the feeling is, like, uh, um, because, like, before streaming culture, for me, E3 was the goddamn, uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, I and, agreed. A hundred percent agreed. It was my favorite time of the year. It was Gamers Christmas. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like, and like, you know, and it was because, like, only through certain platforms at a certain moment did you get to see these trailers and all the, 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 the keynotes and, and whatnot. It felt it was special to me. Like, I remember, I think, I feel like you could only get through, like, I had to go through the Xbox UI to get it or GameTrailers.com. It felt so good and condensed. And then, like, yeah, YouTube hit. And then, like, any time of day, everywhere, I can always just watch it anytime. And it's just like, oh, ah. I still like it when they have events when video game companies like like Nintendo has their Nintendo Directs, and they're like, okay, we got a Nintendo Direct coming up. They give you the time and the date, and you can watch it happening live. Um, I have not watched one of those yet, but I do see specifically like the internet seems to be a little more specifically excited for Nintendo Directs. Yeah, well, I mean that's that Nintendo fandom. Uh, they're mm-hmm. very intense, you know. So, like, so yeah, they they show up, no doubt about it. All right. So well, the thing that we're doing special here, there's uh, the uh, there's like DC trailers being dropped as we speak, like right now. So surprise, we got to see uh, the new Flash trailer, and like seconds ago, we just watched it, and I said, let's not say a word, let's all watch it and see what you think. So, Matt. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I think it was an effective teaser trailer because really mm-hmm. all all I was in there for was seeing the Michael Keaton 89 Batman. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Like that's it. That That's really what I'm excited about. Um, and, you know, there again, there he shows up, but like, it's all sort of like, ah, oh, no, 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 you know, you're going to see Jesus. like the back of his head and you're not going to see the Batmobile, but you will see it like almost uncovered. And so... Yeah, you know, um, it teased me uh, effectively. All right, Isaac, how'd you feel? Uh, I thought it was um, decent, but at the same time, I feel like it weighs on a lot of iconography Mm -hmm. for a character who has not quite earned it yet. Mm. It's a really, really weird mix because this is like, on one hand, you know, rumors that it's going to be the soft reboot for the DCEU, uh, as the Flashpoint, uh, paradox, uh, storyline served for, like, introduce the new 52. So it's like, we're finally getting 
The Flash movie. The Flash is getting his own thing. That guy you love from the Snyder Cut and maybe enjoyed in the Justice League and his cameo. He's getting his movie. Uh, you're going to learn all about his backstory. Uh, he, he's going to get rid of the most traumatic event of his life. But it's also the last Flash movie ever. Mm. <laughs> all right. It's just, um, I, I, I guess mm-hmm. it's sort of like... I I, I I wish some more of it had been earned, like the Flash going mm-hmm. back in time, to, and you're like seeing him like watch his mom's death, and it's like uh, you know you, you, I, I know it because I'm familiar with the character's history in the comic books, mm-hmm. but like if you let's assume you ju- you just watch the movies, like uh, you know his dad's in prison, you don't know, really know why. Maybe you do if you were paying attention. I, I, I don't remember them. I just remember him saying, "I'm going to get you out, Dad." So. There's not much weight behind this, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's also like were those other flashes? Was that did they have the Grant Gustin flash with him on screen? I what? didn't think I saw him. I think I saw another version of Ezra Miller. Was hmm. it? oh, because I I was really hoping. Come on, man, well, go all the way. So, um, did you, either of you guys watch the Flash TV show? A couple of a couple seasons, yeah. Yeah, I was a pretty massive fan of that show, and. I feel DNA off that being showing up in this trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, um, in the show, uh, Grant Gustafson, uh, yeah, he, 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 he there was like this, like, it felt slightly iconic where he was walking up to the house where he could save his mom and whatnot. So I almost feel like they're trying to get those fans. And my feelings on this is like, I'm so sorry. I am that fanboy. I'm geeking out about that trailer. I'm not sure if you guys heard me. I'm just I couldn't help but say, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I heard some exclamations that, from your end. Oh my god! Yeah, like what like, part earned that for you? Um, yeah. Uh, after Michael Keaton didn't come back for the third Batman movie, you know, I really thought that was fucking it. Sure. Forever. Like, I never expected to ever ever see this happen again, and there it is. And then, like, uh, the first Batmobile from that first movie is the best one I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm like a, uh, I'm a fan of like, you know, I, I started in the 1960s version in the eighties. Um, and that one is the one where I just keep on going, okay, why do you guys keep making it not as good as that first one <laughs> or even like way worse or avoiding it all together. And then like, yeah, seeing the, the silhouette of it or the sheet was, it sent chills for me. And like before, and I'm so glad they cut away before, we got to see it because I'm just like, ah! so like it, their tricks are working on me. Like <laughs> I know they're definitely doing that on purpose, but man, like bullseye on me each time. Mm-hmm. Now, do we know for um, sure whether the mm-hmm. TV flash is going to be in the movie or not? Have they said? We definitely do not know, know. But did you guys see the movie flash show up in the TV show? No. Yeah, no. I did see that clip. Although, was that really him, or was that just like an unused clip from the movies that they kind of edited it in? Because uh, on it one was hand, really him. oh, so they actually did get him. So, well, good, yep. bravo uh, for, yep. for having some, uh, you know, m- making some calls and, and not being pretentious about this. Right. Yep. Yep. Was, like I remember watching. It was like that. It was like a big uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths trailer. Oh, uh, not trailer. Uh, crossover doing. And at first, I was really hyped and like. I was having a lot of fun with it, and, like, I was posting online going, oh, my God, are, are they punching on the levels of the Avengers? Until a friend was mine just said, stop it. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, like, he, he, was, he, was, he was playing, but 
I was getting a little too hype over what I was seeing. Like as it kept on going on, uh, you, you start to notice to see like the the I can't remember the, the words I'm trying to think of right now. The, the seams or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you start noticing how low budget they actually have and how hard they have to try to do what they're doing and. They started kind of tapering off in, like, quality at some points. Anyway, like, I appreciate the effort. But at one point, yeah, like, Ezra Miller rolls up and, like, it's it's straight up him. And, like, um, the reason why I'm a fan of Isaac's videos, I think, uh, it was that, was that, like, uh, how do you save the DC Universe? And they're doing this. I, I hope they go all the way with it. And they, uh, you know, I, I do think that, like, embracing the mold, it, it does feel like that's the next phase of uh, war, of, um whatchamacallit, uh, superhero warfare is that it's the multiverse wars. Um, How do you keep people interesting? You know, Marvel seems to, you know, with Loki and the upcoming Spider-Man movie, uh, DC, I think, could pull it off more easily with, like, you know, just because there's so many different cartoons, different versions of the characters. To just see them intermix would be a lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully this uh, will be the one that... um, you know, pushes them in that direction. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to remain seen. The whole thing is in a really weird place right now. Yep. They're fighting hard uh, to try to catch, you know, like, like, they need to stop trying to ever try to, they need to stop forever trying to catch up to Marvel. They need, like I said, they need to slow the fuck down, stop guys, and focus on one good movie. And then, you know, build from that. But, yeah, I, I do like how hard they're trying, and, like, from the start of this trailer, like, there's, like, words of, if you can go to any universe, why just choose one? And he's like, alright, alright, cool, like, get wild, like, I want to see multiverses, and I really do want to keep going through the Snyderverse, because I like that place, um, <laughs> I like how weird and off-kilter it is, um, but you yeah, know- I know that people really want tra- more closer to traditional you know what the smartest decision would be for them for the Snyderverse now that I think about it? Um, like, I, I don't think they're ever going to, like, give a billion dollars to make those movies. But what they could do a lot more cheaply and probably make some decent money is just have, like, a comic book series that, like, continues the story that w- whatever Zack Snyder had planned for the Snyderverse. I, I feel a comic book series would feel too much like an admission of complete and utter defeat. It like, would be, but I, I feel like that's <laughs> I would slump my shoulders. <laughs> like I appreciate, like you know, you're, I get what you're saying, and then like also with doing that, like now you can go full crazy, not worry about budgets and whatnot. But man, it's it's kind of like how I felt when the John Carter movie totally ate shit, and like there was like an absolute no on sequels, and Keith, sorry, <laughs> no, you got to read the fucking books, which. Are really good. The first one I'm reading is fantastic, but aw, <laughs> I want to go back to the movies. Uh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, I, I, it's funny when you watch that movie. I feel like if you cut it around, you could probably still salvage a lot of it. Um, I just remember they had this terrible framing device, and I'm thinking like, you know, you should have started like, uh, you know, when he's on the, the moon or in Mars, uh, and then saved all that shit for like Revelation Black flashbacks. And, and I, it, the frame device, I loved it. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I was totally charmed. Like the, the frame device of like, you are reading, you're, you're watching the movie from the perspective of the writer of the original book, who's the nephew of the <laughs> hero. And you're in the adventure yourself, Keith. Like, oh my god, I'm like just skipping through my living room. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, love that movie. 
All right. Anything else to say about the? Um... So, oh yeah, black. Did you guys, see the Black Adam trailer yet? I did, and I must admit, like, it's one of those movies where it's like I, I don't know why The Rock is fighting for this so passionately. Yeah, but I, I, I guess good for him. <laughs> you think it would be like just something he would? Um, you Get know. on. Why are you so <laughs> into? Like, it has been like I feel like more than a decade. Yeah, that I've been seeing like him go. By the way, guys, Black Adam. Drop Mike. Like, uh, who's Black Adam? What? <laughs> why do you, why, in like every year, every two years, he'd be like, guys, this, I think it's about to happen this time. We're doing Black Adam, the fucking movie. And just like, dude, why, what do, why do you care? Who, who is this guy? It's a bad guy, right? Why is he getting a movie? And he, and then like, you know, it, 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 there's like a, there's another character like this. It's for Arnold Schwarzenegger that I keep on seeing like this. I've been seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger excited about um, Doc Savage since the 90s. And like, <laughs> he's like, guys, doing Doc Savage. This is what's happening. And like, I'm like, what? Who? Is-? Like, there's, there's such geeks about <laughs> like shit no one cares about that like, I appreciate it. And like, I, I wish them well. But like, yeah, Black Adam, what? I mean, I, I, I'll i go see it, but I, I'm just so perplexed. Like, I'm sure if The Rock said he'd want to be Superman, they'd give it to him. They, they give, <laughs> yep. We've got, like, five different black Supermans. Just make The Rock Superman. He could be whatever race you want. Whatever uh, you want, man. <laughs> whatever he wants. Adam. I, 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 guys. I, I'd be curious to see it. I, I'm sure, like, he, he could take... I'm sure if he just mentioned it, they would give it to him in a heartbeat. But he, No, Black Adam. Black Adam, guys. We, we, just, <laughs> it's gotta be Black Adam. I get the feeling this is one of those things where years ago, somebody went up to The Rock and said, Hey, The Rock, do you know... You'd be a great Black Adam. And he said, who the hell is Black Adam? And they handed him a comic book. And he's like, I would be a great Mother. Black Adam. Yeah. And it just got stuck in his craw and it grew and grew. And now, now I was like, I'm determined. I'm going to be this character. I fucking love Black I love Adam. Black Adam. Oh. You don't know who Black Adam is? Oh. I'm going to teach you. You smell what The Rock has cooking? It's Black Adam. Kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, yeah, like, I don't know, like, uh, freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger at the right age was like, Doc Savage is the truth. I don't even Everybody's know. Everybody's got to know about this. I mean, maybe, guys, maybe guys. Everybody does. Who is Doc Savage? I actually don't know. He, he's um, like a old, like, 1940s pulp hero. He's no like the man. He's kind of like a... Um, Indiana Jones, almost. Yeah, yeah. He's like an Indiana Jones meets Superman, where he's got, like, bronze skin. Bronze he's skin. like an archaeologist, and he punches things. He's like a real sort of, like, old-school pulp character. Got it. Yeah, like, he's huh. super smart, and then, like, he's also super strong, and goes on all the adventures, and, like, I bet he is really cool. Wow. And, but like, and he's old and Austrian? Like, I don't know that. <laughs> I, I'm not, like, I, I don't, I barely know about him. Like, it, it's like ever since the 90s, like, I've been seeing, like, uh, announcements of, like, a comic book of, like, guys, Doc Savage comic book. Forget about it. Right here. Right here, guys. It's happening. And, like, no one cares. I'm like, uh, yeah, man. Like, 
I'm sure he sounds cool. Um, and then like Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. There's always something. So, yeah, yeah. There's something about that. Like when somebody announces something, you know, whether it be at like a comic book convention or whatever, and they're like they're super into it, right? And and they're just like they're like everybody knows what this is, and they're like oh, Doc Savage. You sort of imagine an audience there, and there's utter silence, and then one person says, "Who?" <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like what happened to fucking poor John Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that—that's exactly what happened. Like they, like I, I was mad uh, that because like the, I, I love the ideas, but it's so beautiful, original, and cheesy and fun. And like um, all the way leading up to, it, I'm just like, guys, you gotta let people know what the hell's going on. They're like John Carter. For you. Everybody knows that name, and like no one knows that name. No, they were like a <laughs> solid forty years too late for everybody. To know that name. <laughs> Yep, I was like, "Why are you calling it John Carter?" And then, like, their interviews, like, guys, because everybody knows that goddamn name, it's like <laughs> Superman. And just like, no, you don't know. Call it stupid. Warlords of Mars. What? Please do something. They're like, no, Keith, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was really funny how everyone like kind of criticized it of being derivative, even though like all the things were. You know, everything's ripped off of John Carter to the point where, um, you know, it looks derivative just because everything's been influenced by it, you know, 60 years on, you know, forward. Like like the Casablanca effect. Yeah, to me, Avatar is eating the meals that belong to John Carter. I wanted John (laughs) Carter to be where Avatar is, get all the money and, like, get the build that universe. I want to go back there. I don't care about going back to the Avatar universe, but this is where we are now. Well, well, here's a random question though. What what do, you, what do you think about the Avatar sequels? What's your over and under? You think they're going to do well or you think they're going to bomb? Um oh, man, it's it's a, it's a, a hyper unknown. Uh cuz I'm excited sort of for them because uh I am very excited for free form universes like when you have a property that you can basically do whatever the fuck you want with because there's no previous anything to adhere to Mm. and therefore you can be more creative and more fun and james cameron is geeking hard on it so i kind of think i'm gonna like whatever they do Mm -hmm. because they're gonna have to go harder and farther than where they started which means more planets and spaceships and i think i love it it's just that, like, I, yeah, I don't see any cultural footprint where yeah. people are asking for more. Mm, I think, like, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I think it's going to do well in the States. And I do, I, I Keith, would agree with what, what I'm, with what you're saying. I also believe I'm going to enjoy it qu- quite a bit. And then I think it's going to hit China. And I think mm-hmm. after that happens, it'll probably be one of the largest grossing movies of all time. Yep. Like, uh, Three Body Problem, you guys. It, the three-way problem is their Star Wars moment, um, real deal, where, <clears throat> like, Star Wars hit, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, it, it, it created a fandom of geeks that wanted more world-building, and then, like, created all these, like, inspirations for people wanting to create their own Star Wars universes, and we're still feeling it today until Marvel. Three-Body Problem was their science fiction event, where they're like, holy shit, like, um... My friend Ralph Fu, she's in. Uh, she's my three body problem buddy over in in China, and she was like, "Yeah, Keith. Like, basically, no one in China knew what science fiction was before this, and now like everybody cares about science fiction." Interesting. So, yeah, like once they get more science fiction of the high caliber of like Avatar, yeah, they're gonna blow that shit up. 
Well, so uh, I'm surprised you guys are like so positive uh, because like the film Twitter consensus is that like there is nothing cooler than shitting on Avatar. Like yes. the, the left loves to shit on Avatar. Uh, you know, oh, it had no cultural impact. Nobody's culture. <laughs> Look at all those mm-hmm. dumb people who dressed up as Navi. And, and to me, like I, I'm also a little bit pro. I'm, I'm looking forward to it just because I, I love James Cameron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason why I love James Cameron is I, I, I like dysfunctional angry creators because mm-hmm. you see so much like stupid bullshit media like oh live love love positivity <laughs> is the greatest creative force oh you make so much better things you make beautiful things it <laughs> should be you're right <laughs> i think it should be but like all across like i keep on encountering it like like these the, 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 like sometimes toxic environment toxic people even they belt out some of the most influential shit that you've ever seen it's just like what is happening and why yeah i feel like, like really great art can come from negativity yeah yeah, yeah. Does. i don't know why yet like uh orson scott card <laughs> like when, it, when, when, he, when he started talking i was like oh my god what is this thing <laughs> but years before him starting to talk i was reading his books some of the greatest art I've ever experienced in my entire fucking life to this day. <laughs> and, like, also um, progressive as fuck. Like, yeah, I, like, I keep saying, all the characters in his book that are the good guys would not want to be associated with him. So I'm just dying to figure out, how do you write that and then talk like you do? Like, how? Anyway. Yeah. So what I love about James Cameron is he is just a rage monster. He is a <laughs> angry, angry person. He's supposedly really difficult to work with. You know, I, my favorite anecdote from the set of Avatar is that he, he didn't feel like he was getting a raw enough performance from Zoe Zeldana and Sam Worthington. So he started throwing like foam bricks at them <laughs> at the green screen just so they would uh, flinch and feel a little bit more authentic. You know, and I, I love it that like James Cameron, James Cameron, you you know, he 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 doesn't just make a movie to work. He makes a movie that needs to change the paradigm of how movies are seen. Think about mm-hmm. it. He did Avatar. Uh, no, he did Titanic, uh, the highest grossing film of all time. He made the ultimate chick flick. He destroyed all box offices. Everyone hated him for it. And then he didn't make anything except for like a few documentaries. So and he, he brooded and he's like, what am I going to do next? Oh, I'm not only am I going to bring the dead art of 3D films back, make you motherfuckers play $5 extra for these shitty movies that don't take advantage of the technology and aren't filmed for I, I'm also going to make it about s- space smurfs in my own John Carter riff. And, uh, you know, I'm going to use this pioneering computer animation technology where we build this entire world and it's going to completely change the industry. Ah! And I, and it's the greatest film of all time. And, and like, you know, he could have done a, I'm sure if he really wanted to, he could have done a sequel like maybe two or three years after. But no, James Cameron, the only thing that gets him, you know, inspired to work is anger and rage. And he needed to wait for them to jeer at him, for them to sneer at him, to them laugh at the idea that he's making five bajillion Avatar movies. And then once that anger reaches his peak, I don't know what he's going to do. I just know James Cameron has not failed. He's one of the best action directors. Uh, My only concern is that I hear hear he uh, has has like a writing staff. And generally when he doesn't write it himself, uh, then the quality kind of falters. Uh, Hmm. So that's my only fear about the Avatars. But I, 
I'm rooting for him. Uh, I hope James Cameron like uh, knocks it out of the park because I, I, I like Hollywood rage monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, in my uh, journey across uh, creativity to find out how Disney Star Wars did so bad when they had everything they needed. Uh, adversity keeps on making the best art. Like uh, there's like the journey of the Hermit's journey on YouTube. It talks about George Lucas's life and like stages of his life and where he was when he was creating this and that, like, you know, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, there's so many hard things were just going wrong, like, creative people dying even, and, and like, heartache, this, this, and they created some of the greatest art that's, you know, influencing us to this day, and then, like, <clears throat> when uh, George Lucas was given, like, full free reign, unlimited budget, easy going, good life, that's when, like, the prequels happened, and then, like, the worst of it was in the middle where like he had lots of time with uh, attack of the clones and lots of money. And then even worse. And then like the return of the Sith was when he got pushed into like under lots of critique and like uh harder crunch time than best of the trilogy. So, you know, yeah, what, it's interesting. You know, what? one of the most interesting things, like I always thought the second, um, whatchamacallit, Star Wars movie was going to like be like the Titanic for sci-fi because it had mm-hmm. a central love story at its core. But, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> George Lucas is not great at directing human actors. So, of course, mm-hmm. the Padme Anakin stuff is, is terrible. But it, it's kind of funny. Like one of the few successful things you could say about the Disney trilogy is how successful the Raylo, you know, I, I don't think it was ever built from the, the beginning. Uh, but how how effective the Raylo is, but you know hypothetically, if you could take that like sexual tension, put that in like the prequel trilogy, who knows? Maybe it would have been you know Padme was a Jedi and uh, Anakin slowly went to the dark side. Uh, you know maybe that would have been like the uh, Kryptonite or whatever that would make the prequel trilogy explode. And but then again, George Lucas is just terrible with people. Right. Yeah, uh, in the Hermit's journey, like I've come around to enjoy, uh, quote unquote, enjoying the romance of uh, Padme and Anakin because of, like, when you start seeing the sincere place it comes from and failing, I like it more. Like when it comes to art, uh, if I can see the sincerity or understand it, it makes me appreciate and admire it more. Sure. And what he was really going for and failing hard. Really was like uh, him trying to mimic uh, old style, like I think nineteen fifties or forties. Not I think it was nineteen whatever old style romances, and like he was trying to do that. And then when you see what he was trying to do, and then look at what he's doing, it's like, ah, all right, man, good, good for you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you had your your chance to give it a shot. Like in, I kind of like it more, even though I know it's crap. And <laughs> that's like that was like the the eye opening thing my friend's son said about the prequels, and was to like where the fandom of prequels comes from. Because I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's crap. And he goes, but we know it's crap and love it anyway. And I was like, oh, okay, I see. That's a interesting direction and fun. Versus uh, the sequel trilogy where they can't admit it and they have to fight every day that it's flawless and... I'll stop. I'll well, stop. The, 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 there is a lot of sincerity uh, to the prequels, which maybe came through. Uh, you know, uh, do a barrel. I'll do a barrel. That's a wizard, Annie. <laughs> yeah, the, the prequels have grown on me now that uh, the sincerity is there and accepting its flaws. It's, di- it's difficult to gauge 
sincerity mm-hmm. in a movie, but I think in general you know when it's there. And I don't want to necessarily say that the prequels are your, um, you know, like your go-to good bad movies. But I think when you're talking about yeah. a good bad movie, it is sincerity that you're looking mm-hmm. for. They are they are really trying, and they failed mm-hmm. anyway. Um, <laughs> yep. And they had like, they had a vision, and they were going for it. And I think we've talked about this before, but you like the two to me. Um, kind of go-to good bad movies are uh, the Room and Troll Two. Mm. Troll Two is a oh, that's a great uh, good bad movie, right? <laughs> I, I, I look forward to going back to that. I, when I was a kid and saw it, it was just a pain and and sadness <laughs> and disgust. Yep. yep. But it, it's yeah. When you're a kid, it's 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 tough to see that. But man, I think what was mm-hmm. it? The Italians who made that, and they didn't yeah. they didn't speak any English basically. But boy, were they trying. They were really going for it, and you can I'm, tell. I'm looking forward to that. Do you ever yeah. see the uh, Troll 2 documentary, the best, worst movie? Oh, yeah. That's why I want to watch it. Oh, it's, it's, it's such a good documentary. It's a delight. It really is. And just see, seeing those those a- actors go to these conventions and not realizing that they'd become a cultural phenomenon. Cool. And they show up and like, wait, 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 people know who we are? Like, I was just in my trailer, <laughs> you know, like, where <laughs> I live and what? Yeah, it's amazing. It's heartwarming. There's, um... There's a Mad Max slash The Warriors ripoff, also from Italy, called uh, The Bronx Warriors. What? Uh, find it on Tubi. I think we might watch it, Matt. Really? I, I, I'm sure we watched all of it, though. Okay. But, like, once again, it's geeky sincerity. Ugh. And, like, the, the, the depths of it, where you could see they're like, man, I fucking love those movies. We are doing this today. And, today. like, they fucking belted out some awesome weirdness that, yeah, sincerity goes a long way. It truly does. All right. Um, so, do we want to get into what you've been geeking on? Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and do that, Isaac? You first. Uh, why don't you go before me? I, I've been like trying to evolve between a few topics to go into, but um, sure, Matt. Uh, do would you like to go, or should I go first? No, I got it. I got it. I can. I can talk about a couple of things. So, I went to. Oh, man. I went mm-hmm. to New York Comic Con. Oh, uh, how was it? I wanted to go, but I was like. Didn't quite pull the tr- trigger. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, too lazy. Maybe it was like they, they didn't book enough stuff. But what did they have this year? Uh, hey, wait, wait. My other question is, uh, how did it compare? You, you are now in post-apocalyptic yeah. Comic-Con <laughs> versus the one you have seen before this. So, yeah, what was it like? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, yeah. So I've been going to comic New York Comic-Con since like 2013. And 2020 was the first year I'd missed uh, in all that time. So, all right, just to compare it, uh, the floor was a lot emptier than it has been in previous years. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, folks that normally would come, um, did not come like Funko wasn't there. Um, like there's a lot of companies that just like weren't going to make it, weren't going to be there. Um, and so there was more space on the floor and then also there was just less people there in general. Um, and of course everybody's wearing a mask and everything and everybody had to be vaccinated to get in there. So in that respect, it was really good. But the one thing I will say, even though the entire event felt less big and less eventful because it was, it was also a lot friendlier. People just were Hmm. happy to be there and it felt like it was sort of like a return to like the, the nerdy diehards. As opposed to right. people that are just there to get exclusives, uh, or maybe and and like resell them or whatever. Uh, nothing wrong with that. I I will admit I do that sometimes. But at the same time, like there wasn't a bunch of pushing and shoving on the floor, and there was kind of a positive feeling in general. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that from my first San Diego Comic Con. The um, 
this 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 tiny ripple of animosity through the air. Yep, that's right. Like the jostling and Ugh. and the bumping and the like. Yeah, no, not it's not on purpose, but yeah, because there's so many people fucking there, you yep. you, you feel it. You can feel it. It's just, yeah, it permeates the air along with the unwashed masses. Uh, mm-hmm. And but yeah, I went to a, a few panels. I went to two Star Trek panels. Uh, Star Trek Discovery. I went to a panel for the new animated Star Trek show. Uh, oh, those, the um, the uh, what's it called? The one Nickelodeon. Lower Decks. No, not oh, not Lower Decks. Prodigy. Prodigy. Yeah, Prodigy. Prodigy. And I really enjoyed it, you know. And Kate Mulgrew was there because she's like playing her younger Captain self as a hologram, and she was wonderful. Uh, and it was I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the. Um, the episode that they showed us, and it is sort of funny. The feel of it almost felt more Star Wars than Star Trek because it's, yeah. it's supposed to be uh, an entry level Star Trek. Like that's the whole point of it is to be an entry um, level Star Trek. Uh, let's see. I want to talk more about that because, like, yeah, I like. There's a fuck ton of uh, Star Wars all over Discovery and Picard, and Star Trek. I yeah, I, I get this feeling like uh, when we were doing the podcast and. It's just like, and also when like, um, yeah, the, the cast and crew, the interviews, everything. Like, I love Star Trek being pretty fucking clean, like Apple Store clean, and and that's the progress of humanity. But it seems like everyone besides uh, Gene Roddenberry wants to do Star Wars because it's more fun. I, you know, yeah. I like. Well, have have either have either of you? Excuse me. Have you seen Discovery? Yes. All right. Um, I have my opinions on Discovery. Whereas, really quickly, like the first season, I actually kind of liked. It was is rugged, rough, uh, and I I had some fun with it. And then every season after that got progressively worse as it felt like they were hearing they they're too self conscious about the feedback they're getting and just leaning really really hard into um, left politics pandering. Mm. Okay. I haven't seen a single episode, uh, <laughs> so I can't really speak to it. I've been to uh, at least a couple of the panels because my friend Sarah that I go with is a big fan, and so I always end up mm-hmm. going to the panal. And the the actors are delightful. Uh, cool. They're like they seem like big old nerds. Um, and Anthony Rapp is always there, and I think he's just always happy to be in front of people. Uh, he mm-hmm. he played Mark in the original uh, Broadway Rent. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, he seems like a fun guy, and um, yeah, so like the cast seems great, and I think there is a certain element to that uh, where <clears throat> they are trying to, in general, make Star Trek uh, more appealing to the to people who aren't Star Trek fans. Yes, you know, which makes sense. Makes sense, I guess. There's money to be made, but I think if they do this enough, then eventually we're gonna go back to the roots. There'll be enough money there. We're like, okay, all right, we can throw a bone. To like the original um, fans. So uh, I guess like what I think. So there, there's an interesting thing where uh, Mike uh, Stelkoska on Red Letter Media, um, in a joke of him ranting about how bad uh, Star Trek turns out to be lately, and then like his buddy kind of phasing out and not listening to him, he lays down like this like little piece of news that I think happened where like uh, like there's like a report of like what their ratings are like and like. Each like episode is getting like less than like what YouTubers can get, Whoa. and like, <laughs> yeah, it, it is not doing well ratings wise. But they keep making it anyway, which I'm not positive like how that's working. Like, if they feel it is like kind of like a long term investment of having 
content that you know will last forever. They could. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with it. Like, and yeah. So the more people dislike it, yeah, I don't know what direction. But I will say, Laura Dex, holy shit! Now that is good Star Trek. That's what I hear. I really would like to start watching Lower Decks, but that's just on Paramount yes. Plus, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Or, or clips on YouTube. <laughs> no clip. Yeah, yeah. That's how I watch I most can. of the Harley Quinn TV series, and I've seen a few Lower Decks, and uh, you know, I, I definitely uh, enjoy. You know, I thought it started a little rough, but I, I think it definitely found a great groove of like uh, finding a great middle ground between having fun with the Star Trek universe but not breaking the canon. Yep, they nice. they they love it. They're having fun in it. They're not making fun of it like like so like yeah, like though the first thing that I that really made me go, "Holy shit, wait, what? This is I think might this might be real Star Trek. What's going on here?" was like I expected this to be doing uh pandering jokes of ha 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 red shirt got guys red shirt. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> "Okay, yeah, 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 you know, you know, for, for the casuals." But um the joke that made my eyes pop wide open was like uh, the main ship took some massive damage and was getting refit and put back together. And the captain, she was like, yeah, you know, make sure, you know, keep it as it was. I don't want it getting all sovereign class. I was like, <gasps> whoa, like you have to be a deep Star Wars dork like me to get that joke or ever make it. What just happened here? Like, I don't know. Do you guys know why that's funny? Actually, no, not really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can guess. I can guess. Well, yeah, (laughs) it's it's like uh, the Galaxy class of the Enterprise D was the the classic Cadillac of all Star Trek's the spaceships. It was amazing. It's fantastic. Everyone loves it. And then, like in the movies, they freaking trash it on the fly to replace it with the Sovereign class, which looks like a Star Wars spaceship piece of shit. (laughs) And um, as like a deep deep fan like i i hate that thing and yeah like i've never heard a normal person ever care or even kind of slightly make that joke but they made a straight up punchline out of it where you're like whoa yes lower deck is made by super dorks and it's so much fun that's great that's great yeah um so yeah uh, i won't say that much more about uh comic con Except for mm-hmm. it ended up being fun, and I'm glad that I went. But I did. I'm gonna go grab Good. something really quick. I I did buy this one figure, and the name mm-hmm. is absurd. How how many um uh, what you called uh, days did you go? Uh, just two. I went uh, Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling envious. Uh, like mm-hmm. I, I, I've gone pretty much since like I don't know 2010 or 11. Oh wow. Um. So I, yeah, I've done my fair share. Um. Even a few times where I couldn't get a free pass from a friend who got me like press badges, um, you know, I, I would go there just for like nostalgia. But I, I, I love uh, being there. My, I think my favorite thing is when they drag like Japanese mangeka from Japan to, to for us the unruly American masses. Like um, 2015, they had the uh, Masashi Kishimoto of Naruto. Um, a year or two after that, they had the um, the creator of Fairy Tale who is not, like, who I'd consider one of the best manga creators, but if you get anything that I'm vaguely familiar with and you drag him in front of the American unruly masses where you can ask him stupid questions, then <laughs> I, I don't care. I'll, I'll go see it. Uh, and another year, they had the assassination classroom guy, and then the last one I saw was 2019, which was probably one of my favorites. They dragged the dual team between Dr. Stone of Boichi and uh, 
Like I shield twenty one guy for un- unwashed American masses. Uh, so, uh, did did they bring anyone this year, or was it because uh, it seems like uh, I mean Star Trek is a pretty good get, but uh, New York Comic Con's always struggled getting like as big celebrities as San Diego. For sure, I think the the other panel I went to was what we do in the shadows, and ooh, ooh. so that was very fun for me. I love that show. And so Mac, Matt Barry was there, and um, have either of you seen What We Do in the Shadows? Yeah, Not yet. I, I need I've, to. I've seen the movie. I thought the movie was brilliant. I've heard nothing but good things and seen nothing but good things of the TV show. Yeah. I love the energy vampire. Oh, my God. Colin Robinson. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is a, 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 kind of a brilliant idea. And oh, wait, I think we all know an energy vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've come across them, unfortunately, in life. We have indeed. Uh, but yeah, that was like there – I think there were some other big ones, but like I just – oh, you know, it's sort of funny. I actually was signed up to go to a, a David Harbor panel, but um, it ended up taking a, lo- a long time to get into the building because I had to like go and get a, a wristband that said that I was vaccinated. Then I had to go through all the security and stuff, so it just took forever. Um, so I didn't get to see him, unfortunately, but David Harper was there, and I think there's a number of other people. But you're absolutely right, though, Isaac. Normally, you don't have the same get as San Diego Comic Con because that's where all the big announcements are made. Yeah, because like uh, San Diego's like a three months before, and I guess the idea is that like you know San Diego's closer to LA, so it's eager, easier to drag the people down there yep. versus flying them out to New York. Yeah, for sure. Um, Which is interesting because New York is the bigger one. I think it is, though. It's either bigger or it's really, really close uh, in yeah. terms of, like, how many people actually go. Uh, yep. I, I, used, I, I remember, like, uh, it was, like, a shocking thing that I heard, like, not long ago. I'm not sure how it still is. But, like, yeah, I, I kept on hearing, like, year after year, New York always had, like, more people at it, which I was like, really? How, how'd that happen? Yeah, New York just grew so fast. And, I, I mean, again, I was a, I'm, I'll be very curious to see what the numbers are for this year. I was quite happy to see not as many people because it was too crowded. It was way too crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, so really quick, uh, this figure that I got, I got this exclusive uh, Figuarts Goku. Ooh. And the name of this thing is Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan Son Goku Kaioken Event Exclusive Color Edition. Wow. <laughs> this <laughs> And like, um, there's like this Dragon Ball Super stuff that I haven't seen, Keith. You know, um, mm. and but I had heard that like he turns Super Saiyan God, and then as a Super Saiyan God, he goes Super Saiyan again, and then he goes KO Ken while he's doing that. Just to- oh yeah, God, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. Oh, just didn't to, they? You, you, you want to keep going? That that was a big thing that they, I think I heard that they announced the, the new Dragon Ball Super movie, Dragon Ball Superhero, right? Yeah, uh, I think they had a panel. Did you get to go to that, or was that too filled up? No, I didn't. I didn't get to go to it. Um, the thing is, is like, and, and you know this, uh, is that when you go to these things, like your time just gets eaten up. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. just mm-hmm. from a to B. You got to budget very, very well. I always like, you know, I, I have like, a, you know, I get my little guidebook, I get my little marker. I, 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 you know, this is my top priority thing. This is the thing I'm going to do if I can't get into it. This is here, here. Always having that battle plan. I love it. I missed out on a breakfast with Stanley. <laughs> Because Whoops. of that bullshit. Because, um, like, the, the main thing going into Comic-Con, like, I was like, I need to get myself an exclusive. This is, this is the time. Like, I get to do this, like, for the first time. You get in line. And I woke up at, like, freaking <laughs> like, crazy in the morning. Got my ticket. In. And then, like, uh, my friend, uh, a, a person, a friend, a gal that I knew met, Molly, from uh, Castle, uh, the daughter of Nathan Fillion. 
uh, my friend introduced me to her and she's really cool. And she invited us to a breakfast. And like the first time she invited us to a breakfast uh, that I went, it was not to insult them, but like it was just like with uh, very prominent uh, Twilight bloggers. I was like, okay, okay, that's, I don't need to do that again. Now they, they were nice, but I'm good. And then the next time, I was like, she didn't say who was going to be there. Stan Lee. And like, yeah, oh. he's kind of like, your priorities just fill up really quickly and you don't know what you're going to miss. So, she, so she didn't tell you that Stan Lee was going to be there? I, I forget the logistics of what happened. I think I might have heard it through my friend and like another breakfast. And I was like, ah, I got shit to do, buddy. I'll talk to you guys later. And then like, oh, oop. that's always how it goes. Yep. So sad. Um, I do. I have to admit, though, I absolutely love exclusives at these things. Like my inner nerd just sings. And these things I like, oh, it's this is an action figure of a fandom you probably don't even like, buddy, but you can yep. only get it at Comic Con. <laughs> I still have that ticket that I got that got me um it was uh I think it was the a G.I. Joe Transformers crossover uh exclusive. And like yeah, like the I was glowing with excitement just to get the ticket to get in line to get that exclusive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Feels good. Before you get your your drink, uh, I'm sorry. I, like I'm, I'm hungering for uh, New York. Con- Did they like get rid? One thing I hated about New York Comic Con is that they don't have as much space as San Diego. So they mm-hmm. started this terrible thing where the like, as opposed to having all the things in house, you have to go to like the Madison Square Garden oh, or this right. uh, theater. Do they still do that? They didn't do that this year. I think it was small enough that they didn't have to. But you're right. Like it was getting so big that a lot of the bigger panels in previous years, they had to go there. And I remember a couple of years ago, um, I went to a couple – oh, I went to a Hobbit panel at Madison Square Garden. And it was supposed to have Billy Boyd, uh, Sean Astin, and Dominic Moynihan. Is that – and Dominic wasn't there, but the other two were, and they were delightful. But like they made you check so many things at the door. <laughs> you had to was, have your, your, your you had to check your bag make sure you don't have any guns and yeah. all, all this other ridiculous um, stuff real quick the level of inconvenience like how far is it from the convention it's a, it's it's a, a decent walk it's a decent walk you wouldn't like it at all uh, oh, let wow. me tell you, yeah, you it's like for a New Yorker, it's like ah, that, all right, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for like, because I mean, not to be that way, but like, if you live in New York, you walk a lot. Like oh wow! End up so if it's if it bothers a New Yorker, holy fucking, shit. you will not. That's a that's a lot. You would be unhappy. But like they at Madison Square Garden, they made me check my water bottle. Damn! <laughs> it's not because it had water in it. It was empty. It was because it, I could be used. It could be used as a weapon. Damn, dude! Huh. <sighs> Ridiculous. Interesting. But not this year. Not this year. No, no. At least none that I went to. And thank they, God. <laughs> yeah, I think what they did is they had a maybe it's a new stage or something. They had something called the Empire Stage, which was like right next to the main convention center, and you just had to like walk outside and walk into a different building, and you had to go up like five different escalators. I'm like, have you ever been there? Um, that sounds like it's really new because I know that yeah. they had that whole section where they had the artist alley. They, I think they're in the midst of renovating. Uh, they always had like the main stage, which you know obviously is a replacement for Hall H, but they could hold like maybe I don't know three or four thousand people in there. Mm-hmm. And then they also have um, sometimes it depends. Sometimes they have the Empire stage, and then they have like an entire mini setup over to the left of that, or they would just use that for like autograph signing or other mini booths. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. I, I agree with you. I think that the the that this stage we went to that you kind of had to go, go outside for. I think that was new because I I'd certainly never been there, and I went to enough big panels that I would have 
bend to it at some point. So yeah, I think that they're doing a better job keeping it um, confined, but it, that might have just been because there were less people and less like things showed up. So there you go. Cool. Glad you had fun and got some yourself a badass exclusive. That sounds like a great get. It was a, it was it was a fun one. Yeah, I got a couple. I got a couple other things. Um, I got some fun art. Oh, I found this guy right who was super fun. Um, where he would just in like a minute for five dollars draw you like using like crayons and pens, like basically any character you want. And <laughs> um, have you posted pictures of? The things you got yet? Uh, I I did. I actually I sent you um, a picture with like a pile of my stuff. But I'll you know I'll, I'll put some pictures here in the uh, in the couch command message thing so you can see them. Cool. All right. Um, uh, anything else you've been geeking on? Ah, that's good enough. All right. Uh, then I, I guess I'll go next. If that's cool, Isaac. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. One of the things I've been geeking on is, uh, I'm doing the full tour of, uh, Child's Play movies, uh, going toe-to-toe with Chucky again. In prep prep for the TV series? Actually, no. Um, I I think, like, this this one of my favorite podcasters, Anthony Gallegos on Rebel FM, um, he had gone throughout life not seeing, like, almost any of the classic... Uh, horror movies and like a buddy of his just exploded with excitement made a giant list for him and just added a whole bunch of movies to his plex server and like just hearing him go through all the halloween movies and child's play movies like inspired me i was like oh that sounds like fun and um yeah like for me child's play was the first scary movie that didn't scare me and just made me die with going to tears laughing um as a kid like it was me, my friend Mickey, and his little brother Matt. And Matt was way younger than us, and he he was hating life. He was having a terrible time watching the movie, and we fell off the couch laughing for the first time ever for a movie like that. And uh, just hearing Chucky cut Chris's head off and make his kills. So yeah, I've I've had a long time love for him, and um, so far I've gotten to Bride of Chucky. Uh, which was fantastic, funny, like, yeah, the Chucky movies are so much fun, and has, uh, one of my favorite one-liners of all time, which I was begging for the kid to say at the end of the first one, at the final showdown, and, uh, he says, um, uh, friend's the end, remember? And uh, the boy goes, this is the end, friend, <laughs> and, and freaking kills Chucky, I was like, so yeah, the the tour has been fantastic. Have you guys done the Child's Play movies? Uh, I, I, I watched I, I saw, the first one. Oh, sorry. I no, saw no, the, the first... I've seen like uh, a long time ago, like the first three and Bride of Chucky. I don't think I've seen the recent one where he had like the, the, the son. Um, but um, I, I remember that the, the, the Chucky was like a pretty fun horror villain. Yeah. Um, and uh, Matt? Yeah, I think I just saw the first one, honestly. I mean, I've you know been familiar with it for a long time. Mm. But that's about it. Yeah, a, a thing that makes spe- uh, Chucky special is that it's always the same creative team, like throughout all of them oh, until sure. like the reboot. So you get people who actually care about the character and like the universe that's it takes place in, versus like a lot of other movies where it keeps changing directors, so like rules change and tones change. And although even with that, like I loved all the Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth movies, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, Chucky is 
a dedicated team that really cares, and you can tell, and it's really fun. Speaking of All Chucky, right. Jennifer Tilly yeah. became like a big part of it. Um, she's in the yes. new TV show, right? Surprised, yes. Uh, I, I found out like after the movie, after it came out, someone posted up a picture. She just rolls up. I'm like, holy shit, she's back! You know, I just found out. How old do you think she is? Unknown. Uh, I uh, I I might be insulting her and say 60s, but. You, you're, I can't you, tell. You're completely right. She's 63. I'm, I'm like, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. How do you, what, what, like, you know, adrenochrome child blood are you taking to look that good? You know, she still looks like she could pass for 30 or like your low 40s. Yes. Well, wait, who, yes. who is this? What's her name? Uh, Jennifer Tilly. Oh, Jennifer Tilly. Sure. I actually haven't seen what Jennifer Tilly looks like in a while. Let's go ahead and. She's, she's beautiful she's, and has a cartoonish voice. Yeah. I love her so much. She still looks great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, I was shocked when I saw. It. I was like, "Wow!" Like once it, one of those that that that, that cliche hasn't aged a day. Holy <laughs> shit! How did that happen? She, yeah. She's uh, doing something, and it, 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 I don't know. It doesn't look unnatural, like Joan Rivers, or mm-hmm. she she's got some. You know, she's got whatever. Because I was also shocked to find out that uh, William Shatner is like oh, wow. ninety years old. <laughs> And, and, like, you know, you, I, on one hand, you could say yeah. that, like, he hasn't aged as gracefully as Jennifer Tilly. But at the same time, you know, when you're she 90 and you still look like you're, you know, 50, 60, yeah. uh, that, yep. that's a pretty damn good deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. He's looked. I hope I make it that age. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I feel like he's looked basically the same for 30 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's like, uh, OK, I, I will give you immortality, but you will look like a potato. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> would you take I'm, that? I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's the times have changed and people like, you know, like, like I just remember like, uh, it's not a long time ago. I can't remember what documentary it was when I saw like this one guy on the screen and dude was just ragged looking. And then like they, 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 they post up his picture, his name and his age. I'm like, ah, 25. Holy shit. So I'm just wondering like, I don't know, maybe the eight times have changed where, Everyone's just being that much more healthy. And how does George Takai? George Takai looks his age. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, genetics too. Uh, you know, if, if you put money on it, who's going to live? Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner. Oh, William Shatner, he's busting out of his bodice. <laughs> he, he's not going to make it. Uh, <laughs> he's out with them all. What is his secret sauce? Uh, Homeboy I'll, has now gone actually into space. <laughs> put I'll, it on him. I'll, I'll take the potato formula. <laughs> um but yeah yeah uh child's play yeah they they bring back actors and characters like so like that the first one has a little boy in it and as a little boy at, at myself at that time i loved the shit out of that because the little boy is usually the helpless like kid character and like um i always wanted him to be can i ever see him be the hero and in the first one he does then the second one like I grew up with a big sister, so I do also like the little brother big sister dynamic. Second one, he gets a, a big sister character um, who, in any other movie, would have been evil and like uh, uh, something to get in his way. But like they become like this team, a tag team to take on Chucky, and it was fantastic. And uh, someone spoiled it for me, so I'm spoiling it for everyone else. Uh, they bring back the big sister character beyond Bride of Chucky, so I can't wait to see her again. Oh snap! Um, yeah, uh, what was that? I said, oh, snap. Yeah, um, and she's like this 90s actress that everyone knows if you see her. And yeah, I've, I've always liked her. So it, the, 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 they bring people back, 
and keep it a consistent universe. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a fun with my tour through Chucky. So, other than that, uh, briefly, I, I won't go too far into it. Foundation, the TV series. Anybody check that out yet? Is no. it any good? No, <laughs> no, God, I'm so sorry. Uh-oh. Like, it hurts. Well, I, um, I was kind of curious. I saw your, so your, I saw your Facebook uh, posts. So, um, what did they do wrong? Because I know F- Foundation is like a classic piece of sci-fi, but I'm not like super familiar with the iconography, the characters, the general gist of it. I, I mean, I, I understand the premise. Oh, uh, space uh, barbarian, space Rome, and space barbarians are going to come, and yes, we got to go put all the knowledge in a bo- in, in a library before space barbarians yeah. attack. So, uh, for me, my journey with Foundation starts in 1989 with, and, and, like, uh, just to say really quickly, like, um, in eighth grade, as we were graduating, the teacher was giving out all these rewar- uh, awards about, like, you know, that, that reflects the kid's personality. And, like, the, the room, the, the entire room would just burst with laughter as each of my classmates got their award for who they are. And then they got to me. And she gave me the Isaac Asimov Award <laughs> and just dead silence. Oh, no. And including me, because no one knew who the hell he was. So I'm just like, uh, thank you. She's like, no, he's a really good sci fi writer. I'm like, thanks. All if right. You say so. so maybe like 20, 15 years later, I finally like find his books. I'm like, what's this? The foundation? It's all right. And it is some of the greatest fiction ever created. Um, it's. It is almost impossible to create into a TV series because the way it talks about its fiction is in giant swaths of what's happening to the entire civilization. So it's barely like about a character doing a thing and accomplishing this against this adversary. It's like giant like planetary systems rising and falling and their philosophies changing over time. And that is just... It was just amazing to watch, like, the evolution of a galaxy, and then every so often you'd see characters that mattered that would do a thing. And then in Foundation, what hurts for me is, like, I am seeing everyone giving it their fucking all. Like, the people behind this really did treat it as, like, their most important job ever. And, like, the production and, like, the art on screen is a lot there's a lot of stuff on the screen and it doesn't all it doesn't it doesn't it bored me uh i fell asleep halfway through the second episode and i i I didn't want to go back it um yeah like they they did they went straight into um this this one girl her name's gail or something like that and she's a chosen one she's very special and she's gonna change the world and it's like oh, hey, no, that's not what we're doing in the Foundation. And then again, like, once again, the biggest problem is, like, Foundation barely has characters. So Whoa. instead what they're doing is trying really hard with characters. And that's what you have to do on TV. And that's, like, its biggest failing, where they can't do giant time jumps and, like, have an actor like Lee Pace, like, show up for 15 minutes and then never appear again. <laughs> like they need to make it around Lee pace and their other actors. And yeah, that's the biggest problem. Like they can't do what foundation does, but they're trying really hard and very, very serious with what they have. And it's hard to keep watching. 
Uh, I'm sorry to hear that they... Uh, I haven't heard anything, uh, anyone really complaining about it, but then again, all the Apple TV stuff outside of Ted Lasso always... And a little bit of Mythic Quest. I've been trying to get into that, and I have a few mixed feelings about it. Um, but none of it really seems to hit in a cultural front outside of Ted Lasso. So I haven't been hearing a lot of people going like, oh my god, Foundation, they ruined it. Or I heard like a little bit of like, oh, SJW ruined it, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, I, haven't heard, a bit but, but uh, I haven't heard like a lot of people defending it or complaining um, about it. So it just kind of like feels like it's sitting there, not really making much of a cultural impact. Like, I was once myself quite the SJW, and it comes from a great place that needs to happen, but when you start filtering it through humans, uh, and we're all a bunch of flawed pieces of shit, uh, like, weird things happen, and things get off-balanced, and the intention doesn't always blossom, and yeah, that's what I'm seeing, like, in Foundation, like, that's why I don't want to dog on it, because, um... I don't see any kind of cynical cash grab whatsoever. I see everyone on set loving what they're doing. The art direction seems like from people who cracked their knuckles and like leaned into it and I don't like it. And like, I always hate when I don't like when I can tell they're trying really hard for me. So I feel bad about like, there's like this like eighties movie called conquest, which, uh, I, I barely can remember, but like they went all out. They're like, Keith, we got glowing blue swords and, and naked women and, and metal n- uh, masks covered in snakes and, and fighting monsters. This is what you like, Keith? I'm like, uh, yeah. Can't you just like, play hard to get just a little bit? <laughs> yeah, this is just it's like, just like begging for it and mm, this is not attractive. <laughs> and like, I, yeah, I appreciate how hard and. I, I blame myself a little bit. Maybe I'm. Maybe it's me, or something. But yeah, yeah you like what you foundation. Like. Yeah, foundation. They deserve so much credit for how hard they're trying. And I'm gonna try to watch it some more. And maybe I don't know. But yeah, foundation. I am so sorry that it doesn't seem good <laughs> to me. And then like one of my uh, favorite sci-fi channels that I like watching uh, Quinn's ideas. He's also going. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) You see the deep heart and effort, but this isn't foundation, and what they're doing isn't the best art that I've seen. So that's foundation. It it seemed like there was a little bit of like, um, I I guess, a little Star Trek discovery because they kind of like they got this Michael Burnham character, and she's like the, I I guess, the savior who's going to like use gender and race, gender and race swapped. Oh, it, yep. is she? Because you were saying yeah, that there weren't, it, there weren't many signature characters in the Foundation. There's one, and she's one, the uh, guy named Hardin, who once again, like, I barely remember him. Um, but he was a white guy, or he was a guy they never talked about his race, I don't think. But yeah, and then also, she's like a she's a different character altogether. Like, he was like this like statesman that did some stuff, and she seems more like a frontiers space frontiers person and the actress looks like like once again she's there to do her job to create art she's giving it her all and god i'm so sorry i I, it's uh it's not turning out to be the best art that i've seen (laughs) even though yeah like yeah like there's like there's art where for me like the sequels to me are like pandering kind of like paycheck too much and like yeah there's art where i see like 
you're not trying, you're earning a paycheck, you don't understand, and I feel like you don't care. Foundation, I see they're trying, I know they care, everyone gets giving it their all, and ugh. So. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Try as hard as you want, so I'm not going to work out. <sighs> yeah. Well, yeah, once again, like, I, maybe, maybe, uh... It just takes some time, and I'll come around to it later or something like that. Fingers maybe, maybe in their back pocket, they're they're planning a cloud atlas uh, idea where they they like goes for decades, and they have like actors they put on different makeup, so it looks like they're playing the descendants of their characters from previous episodes. <laughs> I hope they do something that clicks and changes, and then I can cheer them on and say everybody needs to watch this. And I do plan to go back because once again. That effort. I appreciate it. And that's not nothing. So that's what I've been geeking on. All right. About you, Isaac? All right. So I've been building my list. It's like one of those things where it's like I had a, I have a few things. First thing on this one is um, this is more of a guilty pleasure than like something I would espouse. But uh, the Shaman King 2021 remake. The what? Uh, you remember, oh. Yeah. You remember the old Shaman King anime? Yes. I do. Uh, well, it's back in Hunter x Hunter 2011 fashion in the 2021 remake. And the 2021 remake is nowhere near on par with the, what, you know, Madhouse did with Hunter x Hunter. You know, for, for me, it's like it's one of those things that, like, I don't think I would ever recommend it. But, like, you know, for, everyone has that genre that they really, really like, that the, even substandard versions of it. Because it, mm-hmm. it's interesting to compare it from, like, to, it to, like, there is a certain appeal. Like, the, the fundamental thing that's, like, fun about Shaman King is that, like, uh, you know, uh, dealing with h- how do all these different cultures deal with death? Uh, mm-hmm. so you've got all these sort of like little mythologies and like, uh, you know, you've got the Chinese guy with their spiritualism and putting the little tags and resurrecting the dead. You've got the Japanese shaman. You've got the Native American shaman. Uh, you've got the Icelandic shaman. Uh, but the power system is not as great as like other contemporaries like Hunter Hunter or Naruto or other, you know, really hitting. But at the same time, there is like one central hook that, that I love. And that's that like, you know, we've got this big central bad guy who's obnoxiously overpowerful than any of the characters so it's like oh what are they gonna do to, to beat him i gotta i gotta know how they're gonna beat the guy so I, I, i've been enjoying that a lot more even though i think it's kind of like not a great adaptation and not a great series but yeah I, I, i'm showed in trash you put a bunch of kids with powers in a tournament i, I i'll probably watch it that is another thing that uh, falls in line with, uh, I can tell you're making this for me, and I'm so sorry. Because, like, um, I, I remember I was reading Shaman King uh, when I was getting shown in Jump back in the day. I remember it came to Toonami, and I was like, yeah, this seems like something I should like. I'm going to try, and... Uh yeah, it just never landed with me. Yep, same. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you at all. Uh, <laughs> there are, like, elements, but I, I'm entertained. I, I like the idea that, like, you know, there's enough ideas, but like I said, it's not something I, I would recommend. It's not something I would, like, throw you to the ground and force anyone to watch. Right. It's just something yep. from, like, stupid, you know, shonen trash boys like me who thinks, like, yep. oh, oh, isn't that kind of cool? They've got, like, an organization and they're all, like, dogmatic and super and they, they all have, like, archangels that transform into cars and whatnot. Yeah. I, I, this is stupid, but I'm, I'm still kind of mildly interested and entertained. I know what you I mean, I love the though. idea of shonen trash. Yeah, like, about, like, a, if they... 
uh, about like a certain kind of show, right? That it doesn't almost doesn't matter what they really have to screw it up for you to not like it. I, I feel like mm. I'm that way with uh, isekais right now. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like you have like some office worker or like student or whatever that dies suddenly, and all of a sudden they're in a fantasy world. Then it's like they <laughs> really gotta fuck that up for me to not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> then are, are uh, you like a hog in hog heaven because it, it has been the isekai golden era and fucking anime for like like five like almost it almost feels like a decade of yes. isekai i'm a happy fan i'm similar i'm similar trash on i, I can't remember I, I know exactly what you're talking about like if you do this thing i like and if you you have to go out of your way for me to not to like it <laughs> I, I I I hope I remember what because I used to use that description on something. And I was like, you have to fuck this up really hard. Well, but, yeah. put that in the back of your head. Think of it. I want to know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. God, there's one. There's a new isekai that came out recently. Um, I've been watching it on Crunchyroll, and it's got a name like Twilight something or other. Um, and it's fantastic. I remember it started. I'm like, okay, it's going to be another one of those sort of like substandard, not good, not well animated, not a fun story, etc. But I'm gonna mm-hmm. watch it anyway. And it ended up being like really good. Like, super hmm. well animated, deeper than I thought it was going to be. Characters I actually kind of gave a crap about. Yeah. It was... Mm. So, as an Isekai fan, are you looking forward to the um, upcoming greatest Isekai, uh, you know, in another world as a vending machine? What now? <laughs> I don't know about this. What is this? So, uh, I don't think it's been animated, but it, it kind of became like a little meme. It's, uh, let me see. I'm in another world... As a vending machine. Oh my god, that's so stupid. <laughs> that is a great name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here is the title. It's called Reborn as a Vending Machine, I Now Wander the Dungeon. <laughs> oh. oh my god, I love this already. <laughs> so, look that up. I don't know if it's ever going to get the anime treatment, but uh, it's about a giant sentient vending machine who goes to a fantasy world and, you know, does fantasy adventures as a vending machine. That's so stupid. I love it. Oh, my God. Um, really quick example, not the one that I was trying to remember, but when it comes to I like anything like this, Highlander. Like, oh. the Highlander TV series never had a bad episode to me. You get two guys, two people with swords who go in the shadows and say there can be only one. You can't fuck that up until you see the source which broke every bone in my body. Like, <laughs> oh my fucking God. I, I want to review that. It was just universe-shatteringly obvious there way to go as bad as you can on the Highlander formula. It was amazing. God damn. Anyway. There. Wow. <laughs> oh wow, wow, wow. Okay. Uh, like, talk about do you guys, were you guys Highlander fans whatsoever? Yeah, I enjoyed it back in the day. And do you see I see the source? No, I don't even know what that is. Well, that's what gives them the mortality, right? Isn't that what they all fight for, and where the sprinkly energy comes out of when they kill each other? Well, the, the, it's it, they they uh, that that's what they make up for this movie for that thing. But like you know, the cool thing about it is you don't say, you don't need to know. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, Just do the Highlander stuff. It, but like, yeah, they, they they try to find the source of it. Uh, uh, anyway, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a goddamn. The um the series I was trying to remember the name of is called uh, Tsukimichi Moonlit Fantasy. Uh, hmm. uh, if you got the Crunchy Rolls, I highly recommend checking that out. All right. 
Is it one season or two seasons? It is a good one half of a season right now. It's twelve episodes. Oh, so it's it's still, it's still airing. It's still airing, yeah. Like, I think they were um, they were running it concurrently. Have you guys seen Re Zero? Oh, you know, I, I, I know that's like considered to be one of the uh, most popular of the, the isekais. That's um, that's one of the few I've seen. Yeah, that was one where I started to watch it, but for whatever reason, like unless it's Groundhog Day, I don't like that whole starting over thing. You know, like it's it's uh by the end of it, I ugly cried. <gasps> it it will crush your goddamn soul. It was beautiful. I'll give it another shot. Um, I'll give it another shot. But uh, okay, one that yeah. I really that I did that uh, suffered a bit as it went along, as far as quality is concerned, but I still really enjoyed. Is so I'm a spider. So what? <laughs> <laughs> the Crunchyroll original. Uh, I think it, I think it is. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's a, a schoolgirl is reincarnated in another world as a spider. <laughs> And, Cute. and it's like, it's really fun. I want to have like an experience in like an RPG or like an MMO or something like that, where you level like a character in an isekai, like the way they level is so satisfying mm. in these things. You just like to see it. You just like to love to see it like a isekai video game versus an isekai that's like based on video game logic. Right, exactly. Like, and and it's, 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 there's yeah, like the video game logic that they have is in these shows is so perfect and fun to watch. Like, I just want to experience that, and I can't remember if I've ever really had something like that with an actual game. Um, I'm sure there's something out there, but I'm just not, you know, not going to put the effort in if I did. <laughs> All right. Anything else we've been kicking on? Uh, yes, uh, Squid Game, like everyone else, uh, you know, oh, I yeah. fell down the Squid Game, and, uh, Squid Game was, uh, very good, and, uh, quite deserved of all the hype and praise, and, and now I get to watch, uh, culture beat it over the head with overexposure. Yes, oh, I am, I, uh, I, I, I'm, um, f- forcing myself to like it because I'm being overexposed with its popularity, there you go, like, Without being able just to like enjoy it like in, in a vacuum on its own, my brain can't help but go like, oh, everybody likes this, you know. This was better when it was Battle Royale. You know, Garo did this already, and <laughs> is what's happening in my head. Uh, but and then also, man, the the crushing depression is um, it's hard to keep going in that show. Well, what I think it does, I mean, if you're familiar, if you're a weeb, you've seen the story, you've seen many versions of the story, but what, I think I saw a Twitter post on this, um, that I think, it's a very, it's a well-worn story, but because it's a story not a lot of people have experienced, uh, it's really fresh, and it also helps that it's like a very competently executed version of that story that like, uh, you know, mostly hits it on all the park. Like one of the things that I think it brilliantly does is it keeps on building tension. What's the next game? What's the rules of the game? I love the element where they'll have like this component of the game where you have to form up teams um, mm-hmm. and, and or pick a number, and these things are life or death decisions. But because you don't know the circumstances of what the games are, uh, like I think my favorite example is uh, I don't know it's a mild spoiler, but uh, I think the premise of one of the games isn't too horrible. Are you guys all caught up, or are you worried no, about that? No, not yet. But uh, go. I'm on episode. Uh, if it's not too much, yeah, I'm on episode. Right, I can man. tell you, I'm on episode four right now. Uh, oh, so you're not up to episode. I think I'm about the same. Uh, oh, all right, then, then I won't ruin it for you. But I'll say episode six. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say it this much. Um, okay. You know, the really smart thing is that it doesn't tell you if teaming up 
is going to be competitive against other teams or competitive within people in the team. And I think that di- that dynamic is really, really smart uh, a way of in terms of uh, inverting audience expectations and keeping things uh, really fresh and engaging. The only flaw I'd give is that they kind of tell you what the Squid Games are, and it's one very predictable, uh, you, you know, it's the most plausible explanation, which I don't have an issue with, uh, but they get some really bad English language actors, and, and you'll notice a huge de- deterioration of quality once those English actors who speak in English without subtitles, and you can see that, like, some people are able to do the language barrier, like uh, Bong Joon-ho did a good job directing Tilda Swinton and Chris uh, Evans in uh, Snowpiercer. But uh, I forget the name of the writer-director for Squid Game, but you could see that uh, directing English language, as it shouldn't be, uh, was not his forte. I saw a clip, um, and it got like 1.3 million views. It's like 46 seconds of um, English dub of Squid Games be like, and then like I listened to it, and it was just... Horrible. That's not um, exactly what I'm talking about. That's completely separate. Just because I watched it with the, it, I watched it with subtitles, so I never watched it with a dub. It's like mm-hmm. in-universe English actors um, who are speaking English to each other. Oh, okay. And yeah, you'll know. Uh, I'll say this much: when the when the people with the special masks come on, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, other than that, I think right. Squid Games. Uh, Pretty flawlessly executed, uh, super gripping, super engaging once you're on that train ride. And I think another really smart thing is that um, how, uh, you know, you've seen this part at least, if you've seen up to episode two, (coughs) is how um, they give all the audience, all the participants an out where they could just quit the game uh, once they understand the risks. But, like, most of them come back to it. Yep. 93%. 93%. So, you know, it's still horrible, barbaric, and cruel, but I think it makes it less like an external force in, uh, you know, what depths and depravity are you willing to go when it's the character's own volition. Yep. Uh, You know what? Actually, it's a couple of times it's reminded me uh, quite a bit of Kaiji Ultimate Survivor. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I brought that up. I did not know this one. That was very weeby of you guys. (laughs) I loved it. If anything, I I think uh, now maybe we'll get like Kaiji getting the the big budget live action treatment. Because if I was the rights holder to Kaiji after Squid Game going, um, you know, so like uh, huge and mainstream, I'd be like, get this into production now. This is the era of the (laughs) game. This is it. This is. I'd be vibrating. <laughs> Clones. Get it out there, and because yeah, it is. It is similar, but it's different enough, and it would. Yo, they got to do it. They got to do it. I think. Kaiji yeah, yeah. Would great. Well, Kaiji would work brilliantly. A hundred percent. It's it's got the exact same sort of tension, the same sort of like you know people with debt and what desperation will you do, and what depths and the games are interesting, and they have enough uh, twists and turns to like keep an audience engaged. And if it's you know filmed and executed well enough, then. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would like. I was whoever is controlling the budget at Netflix, or I, I would get that on as soon as possible. If I own the rights, I would be like, "Give me twenty, forty million dollars right this second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they they got to do it. And also, like, there's like, I, I really love that um, extremely flawed, but still sort of like uh, fundamentally caring main character. 
Mm. You know, like it, it's an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the the the, the good for nothing who still has like the sense of integrity that they're they're willing to fight for. Yeah, sometimes to their own detriment. Absolutely, it's it, that's compelling. It's fun to watch. Uh, to me, it kind of scratches the same itch as like the sort of like neutral bad guy who's occasionally really good, and you don't know what they're gonna do. Um, right. Like Ray Splin from Dragonlance. <laughs> and I guess All the right. last thing to wrap up is uh, Sopranos mm-hmm. because of the many saints of Newark. Oh yeah, I am unfair to Sopranos because of its popularity. Oh, Sopranos is so good. God, every now and then I I, 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 I go down to the Sopranos, what I call the Sopranos clip hole. Here's my best recommendation to you, Keith. Um, there's this mm-hmm. channel named Borco who's really well beloved in the Sopranos community. It's this guy. Um, who uh, basically what he does is he uploads clips, but he does clip compilations. But what he he's really good at is he because what the Sopranos did really well is they'd have like these mini story arcs. Some would go over the course of a season, some would resolve in like an episode or two, and he gets these mm-hmm. clips. So just try watching one or two of those, and then you'll go from the next to the next to the next to I'll, the next. I, I I feel like I will get into a place in my life where I'm going to give it a good honest go, like. For, yeah, for some reason, I, I totally blame myself for this one. I, I it was like, uh, <coughs> while I was out, uh, there was just too much hype around it. Where I turned my nose up for some reason, and I was like, "But the wire is really good." But you don't have to choose one between one or the other. No, you do. It's just it's me. It's me. You have to. Those are the yeah. <laughs> you, you have to decide. You have to decide. <laughs> well, you have to decide. Yeah, one or the other, buddy. <laughs> Can't watch them both. You're trying to do a beer on the guy here, you. <laughs> what are you going for here, buddy? It's it, watching them both. It, it's the modern uh, what you call it? Uh, Jets versus the Sharks. West Side Story. That's right. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, are, are you the liar? Yeah, yeah, How's that? Like, yeah, one like I'm still feeling it because, like, I oh a comeback movie. Okay, whatever is what I'm doing unfairly. How was it? Um, to be honest, uh, it was okay. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't touch it unless you're a really big Sopranos fan. Um, because what makes the Sopranos really good is that the Sopranos has a lot of digressions and tangents that make it feel really lived in and real and lots of humor mm-hmm. while the many saints of Newark, you know, there, there's a few like, you know, Ooh, baby Tony, baby Carmela nuggets in there. Uh, but it, <coughs> it's too short to have that sort of like really great meandering quality, uh, because that's what made the Sopranos special as much as it had the mob violence and the high tension. It would also have moments of like, you know, Tony just like, you know, picking up the paper, like, or just really funny episodes. Like, they, they had this really great episode where they started off season three, and it's not even about the Sopranos or Tony or any of the family. It's just the FBI trying to put a bug in their house. So it's this whole drama of them, like, watching uh, the Sopranos family, trying to find the opportune time of watching their daily routine to get in there. And then they have this great, like, remix of, you know, every breath you take, and then, like, the Dragnet song. <laughs> as they're like just like trying to get that wire in and there's this really funny scene where like they're they're looking you know they they scouted the location they think they got the barrett fit place uh and then they notice that the boiler is about to burst and they're like uh, well better tell him six months in in, from now in prison that uh you know his boiler is about to burst well he'll have to figure it out (laughs) and then it bursts like a day or two later flooding the prison the the basement uh screwing up cool. the, FBI, the fbi's plans to like uh, wire oh. tony soprano <laughs> 
So it's, it's great stuff right. like that. So, but you know, it makes you relive the memories. And uh, my mom's birthday was around then, so I I orchestrated this huge thing where you you know the service cameo. Yeah. So I bought three mm. cameos from like various Sopranos actors. Oh, that's cool. uh, wow. So I made this like twenty minute video, and basically the whole idea was like kind of poking fun at my mom as they wished her birthday, but they also like tried to intimidate her, saying that like she can't move to Colorado, she's got to stay in Jersey. Cool. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so uh, so it was a great gift. Uh, then I made like a bolognese sauce, and then there was these family friends who came over to watch The Sopranos with us. Cool. Uh, or The Many Saints of Newark. So it was a very nice birthday thing. All right. Anything else? Um, that's about it. Uh, I don't know if you wanted me to get on uh, too many more tangents, but that, that's all I got for now. Yeah, let's let's wrap it up and get to our review of the void. You guys cool with that? Yeah, man. Well, the, well, one quick thing though, I don't know if you want yeah. to do this, but the, the, they just released a trailer for the Batman. You you guys want to watch it real quickly and then record it and then just talk about it for two minutes and then we'll go to the void. How about uh, we take a break? We open up with our thoughts on the Batman on the other side. Okay, sounds like a plan. Works for me. Back on, guys. See you guys in the void. Haven't you ever wished to save someone beyond saving, no matter what the cost? This is uncharted territory. The body has to adjust, of course. We weren't built for this kind of thing. You'd be surprised at the things you find when you go looking. There is something calling them all here. People get in here, what are we supposed to do? You saw it? What was that? Do you know where you go when you die? I do. All right, we're back. I clicked record like one second too soon, so I hope that doesn't fuck up. Brian, uh, the Sonic well, Kling, uh, who we should thank. As, as long as you have the clap, you have the clap, you should be good. Yeah, I think cool. it's more about that clap. Sonic Kling, once again, uh, he's our producer, and I want to thank him for putting our podcast together because I always forget. Uh, um, that, yeah, we're gonna have him on. You. Thank you from from all of us, I believe. Uh, thank thank you, uh, Mr. Sonic Clean, for doing all the editing that uh, none of us have done. Yeah, yep. I'm going to have him on. Uh, he's going to pick a movie for us, and we're going to dork out on that. Oh, that's phenomenal. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're back. Uh, we all watched the trailer for The Batman, mm-hmm. and we got some thoughts. Matt, you go first. Uh, did they put a rocket on the back of Sam and Dean's Impala? <laughs> the Batman, the shitty Batmobile. What is going on? Is my note right there? What? <laughs> Although I'm gonna say I do like what? what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, in general, I think I'm I'm pretty pretty down with it. I was happy to see, like I was saying before we started recording, um, that it is not uh, Dick Sporting Goods Batman suit. Uh, right. So that's a bonus, and I think Pattinson looks great. Yep. Uh, the fighting looks like it's high impact. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm into that. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I will certainly go watch this in a movie theater. And uh, a thing that I've been seeing that I've been uh, uh, before the podcast, I was saying like I, I hate uh, gritty realism Batman, and I don't want 
anything unless I hear there's going to be a clay face or a man bat in this kind of world. Uh, but I did like when he said um, that when the, the, the sign goes up in the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. All right. Are we doing this? Okay. Let's, let's get into this. What do you think, Isaac? I was not the biggest fan. I mean, I'll, I'll see it. I'm just not super excited about it. I, I feel like gritty, realistic Batman. We've done that. We, we had like the best version of that with the you know the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, then we went even further with the Batman Murder Man with the Snyder Cut. <laughs> it, it's it's time to pull back. It's time to pull back from Seven Batman. I mean, it looks competently filmed and, and put together, and I, you know, I, I, it feels like you know this is the Batman that is designed to get Tumblr all flutter. Like, like this is going to get the Tumblr fan base, you know, to make uh, Robert Pattinson Batman their Tumblr sexy man. Yeah, um, I definitely see the courting of the Twilight fan base and trying to get the Batman fan base at the same time with the uh, casting of Robert Pattinson, but also. On top of it, like this guy is like the quadruple threat. Uh, I, I mean, got... he, uh, he's he's a great actor, but like mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, it, it felt a little too hot topicy. Like, oh, he's bruised and injured and beaten. He's like so miserable and angry, and he, he just needs you know the goth girl, the girl from my immortal fanfic to uh, you know take him in after a hard night of. Um, you know, beating up uh, thugs and criminals, uh, take off his armor and massage his bruises. They kiss. I see them. They're they're aiming hard at that four quadrants. Like, like uh, he 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 he, uh, he has like the the true actor clout. Uh, I think everybody likes him. You got the full on uh, female cheesy fan base, and then like they're appealing to dude cheesy fan base on this so <laughs> the, the they're going hard i'm like this, we want all the money serious this is serious this is a serious movie about serious topics with serious serial killers what what made me roll my eyes the hardest the, the only thing that made me roll my eyes was her saying maybe we're not so different i'm like oh, jesus I, ever since the 80s every time a bad guy says that i just grit my teeth so hard <laughs> no, i you hate that no Okay, Catwoman looked good. She looked nice and sexy. Yeah. It was a nice return. Um, you know, I think the interracial component's kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. the, I don't know. If, if, if for some reason, it seems like it works really well in this uh, filmed instance, and it'll contribute even more to the Pattinson being, like, the desired Tumblr sexy man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, bad guys, stop saying that, and, and good guys, stop being so okay with hearing... Like, you, you murder thousands of people. That's different than not murdering people. <laughs> not the same. I think normally or, the good guys, when the bad guys say that, like, their job is to say, No, we're not! We're nothing alike! No, we're not <laughs> yeah, that's what Why usually get their response. I hmm. assume this Catwoman's gonna be kind of like, she roughs people up, but she doesn't kill people, and, you know, she has her own sort of, like, code of ethics and logic. Well, I will say that was badass to see where, like, I don't know, was that a penguin, or was that just a generic uh, thug at the end? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, one other thing that I also bang my fist down on the, the desk and say what I want for my Batman is, uh, forever, I have not gotten it yet, uh, you... At the center of my Batman story, if you want me to like it, it should be a detective story. Mm. And well, I think I'm getting that for the first time. 
Yeah, I think I think that is one thing you are going to get. This is like more of a detective story with like more of like a seven uh, Riddler murderer. Uh, and I guess maybe that's kind of interesting because I, I did like the Arkham version of the of the Riddler when he's more like a saw murder character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, if they pull him off and make him worthy, uh, the Gimp Riddler, from what I saw from like the uh, leaked images. Um, it does look like you're going to get the detective story. Although, yeah, uh, like that's been super like rage-inducing, important that I, I I never bring it. I hardly ever throughout all the decades this has been going on. I, I hardly ever bring it up because it seems like no one, no filmmaker cares or is going to try or people know what that's supposed to be there. But yeah, like out of my Batman, I want to sit down and be in awe of a great, legit Sherlock Holmes mystery. With fighting monsters. That's, that's where I want my Batman. That's yeah. where I want my Batman. Yeah, he's supposed to so, be the greatest detective, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, a tangling with the Riddler. I think I'm going to get this. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, that was the Penguin. And, uh, ah, okay. He, yep, he's being played by Colin Farrell. Ah, because, you know, that was a decent scene. Ah, I got him, but then he goes through the fire and he comes out of the thing. He's like, you can't stop him. Ah, that was kind of decent. Although, apparently, like, I remember reading that they were going to do, like, a uh, spinoff TV show about the Gotham PD. And, and, and am I going insane? Did nobody forget the five seasons of the terrible Gotham TV series <laughs> that we had a couple years ago about the Gotham PD? Why, why, why are we doing this thing again? Uh, um, I've always thought that it was a great idea to do this, but once again, uh, it's gotta be Gotham BD versus a supernatural, potential supernatural threats. There you go. Did you ever see the Gotham TV show? I started it and then it threw me off. Like, I I think like, I was like, all right, I think I like this. I think, um," and then like something happened where I just didn't want to watch it anymore. Like, I think I... I, I can't. I, I, I definitely can't put my finger on it, but some made me like maybe just say, "Eh, I don't need this." <laughs> there are a lot of things. On one hand, I, I know you like uh, goofy things, uh, Keith. So I think things like, taken seriously. Yeah, and, and if there's one thing is the goofy thing taken seriously, it's that stupid Gotham TV show. So I was kind of <laughs> curious if you liked it on that level. But oh god, I, I remember like I, I I don't know. I think you saw this. I I did this video series where I tried to force a friend. I paid him money to like watch every episode of Gotham to see if he would bang out of it. Ultimately, my wallet ended before he his will to watch Gotham quit. But Damn. he said, but he said um, you know, if it, if I wasn't paying for him, he would have been done a long time ago. <laughs> um, what do you think? Like, did you also tap out? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I occasionally like popped in just to like see what kind of insanity they they would throw in because uh, it was a weird mix of like a, a show that took itself really seriously but kept on being like really goofy and over the top while still trying to have like that Chris Nolan gravitas. Yeah, and there are just like so many stupid storylines. Like um, Fish Mooney gets kidnapped and goes onto an island with the doll maker. That's that's where I stopped. <laughs> Well, yeah, like, uh, the, what, here, I think this is once again, like, hey, Keith, like, man, we, we listen to you. We're trying really hard to do the things you like. What's, where are you going? Where are you going, Keith? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, um, 
I why don't I have my kid Batman in this? And they like they did it. They brought in my kid Batman. I don't know what they. I don't know what happened. And I I apologize to them. It, it was a, such a weird idea. Like there was like one episode where the, I felt like this is what the show is supposed to be, and that was like where they have these like bank robbers, and one of them like puts on a hood, and he's like, "Wow, having this red hood, you know, the iconic red hood from you know the Batman mythos." And once he has the red hood, he, it feels like it gives him like a, this sort of supernatural power that he didn't have and that to me would have been the interesting idea what's this city that's about to go insane or on the verge of going insane of super science and super villainy but just not quite there yet but it's about to be pushed over the edge it just needs that trigger but instead we get mr free we basically get batman's entire rogues gallery appearing before batman matures Mm. (laughs) which i thought was yeah that was interesting which is kind of ridiculous yeah. Uh yeah, once again. Yeah, definitely kept my finger on it. They I, I I commend them for doing a lot of stuff that I asked them to do and I just couldn't uh couldn't hang. Although well actually though, one last thing before we get into the void. Uh mm-hmm. are we gonna have like three separate incarnations of on screen Batman now? Uh yeah. cause, cause we're gonna have um Michael Keaton Batman. Uh, is um Ben Affleck in the Flash movie? I thought he said he is. Yep. And then we're also going to have Robert Pattinson Batman, which isn't in the DCU. It's it's, it's separate Batverse. Yeah, that's what also got me looking at it side eyed and down my nose. Like, are oh, you too good to you know be at the superheroes? <laughs> all right, all right, whatever. You better like if you if you feel feel comfortable being Batman, then you know whatever. Like, why don't you go hang out with the Joker then? You freaking they, they, losers! They they just might like. Dude, I could see the end credit sequence where they like show like the foot of Joaquin Phoenix Joker because I guess he fits more in that world than he does in the DCEU. And the Joker still made a billion dollars. Although I I feel like uh, Joaquin Phoenix and uh you know the Hangover guy Todd Phillips have enough clout that um you know they wouldn't just do it for money. Uh, you really got to convince them hard to like get Joaquin Phoenix and that Joker makeup again. <laughs> um, it is, it's happening. Uh, is there a sequel, or is he in the DCEU? I'm pretty positive that there's going to be a sequel to the Joker. I thought that, I heard that. I, I've heard rumors that like, but I haven't heard anything like greenlit or any press releases. But uh, you know, Todd Phillips said that like, if he has an idea, he'd do it. And Joaquin Phoenix said he'd be down. But I, I guess he's like sitting around, coming up, seeing what that idea is. <laughs> I think like it's uh, a joke that I heard about like, um. Like, how could Adrian Paul continue to do a, a, another bad Highlander movie? And then he's like, you're going to pay me how much? Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I think I think That's that might how. be happening with, like, like Joker made all the fucking money in the universe. And I think, like, that will give them... Warner Brothers will be like, shit, man, what, how much do you want? And they're going to be like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, let's do another Joker. Which I, I think <laughs> is going to happen. I do think that's going to... I thought, yeah, I thought I, thought I heard a green light or something. But I'm yeah, sure, we'll find I'm out. sure they're gonna, they're going to pay them a lot of a lot of goddamn money. But yeah, I'm being very snotty at this Batman and that Joker because I feel like they're too good and like they <laughs> they don't want to be dirty their feet with uh, the rest of the DC universe. So I don't see them crossing over at all. Because they probably won't. They probably won't unless it's like a really flat, fleeting flash. But um, anyone else have any thoughts? Uh, That's it for me. No, I'm good. Cool. All right, so let's um start with your relationship with horror. Okay, like I'll, I'll go first. When it comes to horror, 
Um, my start goes in the eighties where, uh, I think it's, I went through like this path where like I ran out of science fiction to watch and then like, what else is there? All right. Well, I guess on HBO we got horror. So even though as a little kid, horror was too much for me to fucking handle. Mm -hmm. And even growing up, it was like too hard, but eventually I was like, there's nothing else. And I forced myself and it really, it, it beat me up. But, like, Freddy and then, like, eventually, like, friends, watching it with friends, started making it fun. So I started loving horror, uh, Sam Raimi, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and, and uh, Friday the 13th. Like, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with horror throughout most of my life. And then uh, the Blair Witch Project hit. And that was, like, the first of three steps of me tapping out of watching horror for, I think, a decade. Oh, wow. <laughs> because... <laughs> Um, the Blair Witch Project was the first movie to genuinely fucking scare me. Oh. Like, it wasn't, like, fun scary, where I go, ah, ha, ha, the, that was a fun, scary, sci-fi, basically, universe, where you got rules and stuff. Um, the Blair Witch Project grabbed me by the feet and dragged me down into its depths and held me there, with I not being able to escape the theater, and the claustrophobia and like the realness dug into me, like down into my bones. Where um, I literally that night did not go to sleep. Whoa! Um, I I remember I was like I had I was I was visiting in Milwaukee. I was at my parents' house, so like I was on the couch and like I, I got my sword next to me and I couldn't fall asleep because I had this like memory of what I um, little kid Keith called the Burning Woman. I'm not sure where the imagination of this came from but she's like a seven foot woman who could move as fast as a panther as strong as ten men and had this like fleshy mouth and milk white eyes and burnt charcoal skin Dude. I don't know where that image came from but like I remembered her I was like holy shit that wasn't like horror that I've been enjoying up to this point <sighs> okay how about the ring ah Jesus Christ and then the last blow was paranormal activity which, uh, paranormal activities are, uh, I mean it, it became overexposed but I still think the first one is a brilliant piece of uh, no budget horror Agreed. damn yeah like the, the terror of not showing me there you go like mm -hmm. if you keep not showing me stuff and not hit like like uh, those movies the three of those was me, like, me screaming please just fucking hit me already please please just show me the monster uh, gut somebody I, I, and they just keep on like it was a um that feeling of someone holding their fist up and they're going to hit you, but you don't know what's going to happen. Ooh. And after like uh, Paranormal Activity, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm out. I'm out of um, horror movies for like a decade. And I can't remember when I went back, but um, I think things, something changed where they're trying to mainstream it and make it more uh, palpable. I don't know what I'm looking for. Uh, digestible for the mass audiences where it's not as scary. You get these CGI monsters, they, they come on the screen and it's back to being fun. So with the void, I was like, okay, what's good. What's this going to do to me? And this was the fun stuff. I like when it's already on the screen. So that's my journey through horror. Hmm. Who would like to go next? Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry, Matt, you go first. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. As a kid, I was way too scared. Uh, mm -hmm. to watch any sort of horror movies. Um, Keith, I know I've told you this, but I am 
almost positive that the area where my brother and I lived in our house was haunted when we were little kids. Mm-hmm. And so I would kind of like, I was routinely scared up there. And so like seeing stuff on horror movies, it was just to be way too much. And you know, as a kid, you don't know what's real, you know, yep. like what can really happen, what really can't happen, whatever. Uh, and I don't remember when I really started to enjoy them. It was certainly in adulthood, but it's sort of funny that you mention things like uh, The Grudge and The Ring and mm-hmm. um, uh, Blair Witch Projects. I feel like that's when I started to like it um, at that point. Cause I remember seeing Blair Witch Project in the theater. Um, yep. And I remember it being cold in the theater and for whatever reason, the AC seemed to be sort of like circulating around so I could like feel it blowing against my feet. And it was just like, I remember that whole audience just being transfixed to that movie. And you don't get that very often. I mean, especially now with everybody with, with their phones and everything. But, uh, but even back then you'd still have people talking to each other, getting distracted. Then everybody was just like, in it trapped just, i was trapped just in there trapped exactly i think so i think that you know it's very understandable either this is a feeling you are seeking or it's a feeling that you very much want to avoid and yep. i really seek it because i love that feeling of being scared uh where there's no consequences you know it's like it's like the, to me it's the movie equivalent of a roller coaster where you get to have those thrills and chills with, you know, for the most part, no real danger of getting, you know, injured or damaged or whatever. And oh. so, yeah, so I really, I really, really love the movies where you don't see the monster, you don't know what's coming, where they're about to, they're about to punch you at any second. Uh, there was a podcast I was listening to, and they mentioned something very similar to what you said, uh, Keith, is that one of the guys saying he didn't like horror movies because he felt like there was somebody standing behind him with a basketball Mm -hmm. and at any second he's going to throw that basketball at his head and but he doesn't know when it's going to hit and so like modern horror movies with their jump scares and you're not letting you see the monster that's a lot of what it is and for whatever reason i really enjoy that feeling i yeah that, that is a good craft but um like, for me, yeah, like, uh, Freddy, he pops on the screen, and, like, don't worry, Keith, I'm here to make you laugh. I'm like, thanks, man, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Paranormal Activity, like, I feel like the entire movie, just, like, just staring at me, just like, I'm gonna hit you, Keith. I'll fucking hit you. Yep. And I was, please, fucking hit me, please hit me. Ah! <laughs> and, like, oh, yeah, like, the ending, I actually couldn't take it. Uh, where, like, there's, like, this, like, it felt like it lasted ten minutes, where, like, the camera's, like, just on their bed and like nothing happens mm-hmm. but there's an open door and i was like no no i can't do this i can't do it i fast forwarded until it got to like what was going to happen oh wow it fucked me up so bad yep yeah that's uh that that feeling of anticipation is is very they do a great job of that in that flick but uh but yeah I, you know i'll leave it at that and like, i'm really at a point now where i really enjoy that sort of feeling but i also love these practical effects creature feature horror movies things like this and extra i think are just phenomenal mm-hmm. um isaac what's uh, your journey i've always like love enjoyed horror uh i don't know if i'd call myself like a you know die hard horror guy in the sense that like i go to horror conventions and meet uh freddie uh, and uh, what's the guy who plays freddie uh robert england that's right yes um, you know, the guy who goes to Robert England, uh, you know, at a horror convention or see the Troll 2 guys. 
But at the same time, I, I, I freaking love horror. Um, most horror films aren't too scary. Like, uh, I'd say, like, the last horror film that I saw that, like, made me, like, so uncomfortable I had to leave the theater was um, the first Hostel movie. Oh, I can't watch those. All right. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Nope. Because, I was okay with those. Uh, like, once again, hey, they just fucking hit me. All I, right, cool. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised because, like, what really, I don't know, so certain, like, body horror really gets me uncomfortable, and that's the, uh, like, the slicing of the tendons or anything with yep. veins that drives me crazy. Oh, dude. But, you yeah, know, it's the, pretty fucked up. Yeah, sorry um, to jump in real quick. For me, it's eyeballs and teeth. <laughs> teeth is a good one. Uh, eyeballs, uh, I can take eyeballs, but it, obviously it's like a sore point. Because uh, whatever it's like this relatable uh, pain, like it's something that you don't want to think about, like gouging your eyes or what it feels <laughs> like, that's when it like, ooh. And, you know, if you're a really good filmmaker, you could definitely, you know, get a good scream. But, you know, a lot of horror is like really cr- crappy. But at the same time, I love creature features. I, I love good horror movies. Um, I love gore and blood. I love um, the H.R. Uh, Giger creatures. I love yeah. the, the alien movies. Uh, I enjoy Predator. I love uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, and I still think that's some of the best creature designs, which kind of makes me sad that like so much of creature design just seems like variations of like the the goddamn Cloverfield monster. Mm. <laughs> it feels like for the past 10 years, Hollywood has just been doing like versions of the Cloverfield monster with like, you know, kind of like gangly limbs and gray and teeth. And we've just been getting <laughs> versions of that. Um, but you know, I love a good creature feature. Uh, I'm not so much like a slasher guy, but, I, but I can enjoy them. But, um, you know, I, I like well-executed horror. I think, uh, like for example, one of my favorite YouTubers Have either of you, um, uh, heard of Meat Canyon? Meat Canyon? That sounds familiar, but... No. I bet you if I showed you him, you would, like... Because uh, he, he's interesting. He I discovered him, like, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, um, when he only had, like, 60,000 subscribers, and he did the impossible. He makes these, like, horror parodies of, like, you know, popular internet things or, um, you know, classic children's shows or, like, he did this really brilliant one where it was, like, in Japanese uh, language with uh, Yokai Bob the Builder. Uh, And it's, like, you know, this Japanese uh, feudal household and, you know, the wife is saying, um, you know, the husband's saying, like, why don't you repair the house? Uh I'll take care of it later. And then the Yokai spirit of Bob Bob the Builder comes in and it's, like, you know, um, and steals away the wife and he says, you know, I'm man who can't take care of his house isn't fit to to take care of his wife. (laughs) Interesting. This this stuff, this this terrifies me because I I, I saw this one, uh, a regrettable DBZ cartoon. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the guy, that's the guy, that's the guy. That's the guy. That sort of like, that wide eye with... The, the red rimmed and it's like uh, you know what hideous it, animation hideous animation you know what I'm seeing here you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of the animation from Monty Python and the Holy Grail or just Monty Python in general um, it, it's mm-hmm. it's an intentionally very ugly style of animation yes uh, but I I think the guy's a master I love him I love the fact that like he's one of the holdouts of what feels like old internet edgy culture who's somehow managed to persist against the algorithm against all reason <laughs> uh, cool. he, he did this really good one with Peppa F- I think the reason why I point out about Meat Canyon is that like um so 
Some people suppose that like horror and comedy are two sides of the same coin. And I feel like he's the perfect example in the sense that like, you know, his horror and comedy are so interwoven. They work perfectly. Like um, the Peppa Pig one is like 100 percent. Technically, there's no comedy to it. But like the horror beats work perfect as comedy just because of the situation. And basically it's like, you know, Peppa Pig and her brother like hiding from her mom who's like trying to eat them. And the sound design. Oh, chef's kiss meme. It's just perfect. She's like has the snorting around and like they're hiding, trying to hold her breath. And then she she gets them and she's the demonic pig. It's just absolutely perfect little short. Um, so I, I guess that's my appreciation of horror, and I think, uh, you know, there's some brilliant stuff in it. Uh, like, uh, I don't know, you guys ever, you guys must love, uh, Cabin in the Woods, right? Oh, amazing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, freaking great. Horror and comedy make great bedfellows. Um, they really do. And, and actually, uh, you know, uh, oh, sorry. Well, I was gonna say that, that, then, that, that is something I'm actually going to tie into our discussion for today, for this movie. Yeah, we got almost a half hour, we should start in on <laughs> The Voice. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, my take is um, I thought it was pretty good. Pretty damn mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be freaking blown off my damn seat mm-hmm. uh, because I heard so much greatness about it. And like uh, some of my Facebook, he says like his favorite horror movie ever. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And like I I thought it was really good, um, but did not blow me the goddamn fuck away. If that makes sense, yes, um, oh, that, that, that's completely uh, understandable. Because, like, um, that's what I was going to say about it. Like, I, I don't hate it, uh, but I also don't think it's like it's something I admire more than I like. Yeah, 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 admire a lot. Because, um, like, yeah, it has the DNA of a lot of the things I like. I can tell they've seen the movies that I really do love. Like, um, they saw uh, um, Hellraiser, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, Phantasm. Uh, there was definitely DNA of phantasm and like a little bit of the gate. Maybe I, I liked a lot of that. And then like, uh, skipping right to the ending. Um, have you guys seen the quiet earth? No, no, I have not. Okay. So that's a little known science fiction film. That's fantastic. It was like this, uh, thing that I found where at the time, like I'd hacked my, uh, NVIDIA shield where you could like just, surf all movies on the internet and like you know do it by date and it's kind of like a lot of fun where you just that's how i found extra oh, uh you, you pick a year and you see like a cover and you're like what is this and you click on it and you kind of get lost in the movie mm-hmm. um the quiet earth is about like a guy who wakes up and like everyone's just gone nice and then like he maybe finds two other people and they figure out that like they have to bust this one thing and they can bring everyone back um the money shot at the end was astounding like it's on the cover, and, like, uh, the guy, like, you, you think he kills himself, but he wakes up on, like, what looks like a uh, hyper-exposed distant shore, and, like, the, the the light is way too bright, and, like, the clouds in the distance are strange and, like, have, like, these, like, tendrils of, uh, like, tendril clouds Ooh. just coming down to the ocean below, and then, like, the music is just, like, this majestic rising... And then slowly on the horizon, a planet that looks like Saturn starts rising up. And the guy's like, and then like the last shot is the guy like his face just glowing and like him in awe of like, what the, and then like freeze frame and then like the credits. And you're just like, wow. Like, especially back then when you can't just snap your fingers and say, oh, CGI. (laughs) Like it looked, it looked uh, real, you know, you know how they did. I don't know how. And they did exactly that ending here. 
where people uh, go through the thing and they look up in awe at an awe-inspiring image and then they stop. Yep. So anyway, yeah, like I I liked it a lot, uh, but not freaking blown away. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm surprised you're Matt, not. Oh no, Isaac. Oh, go so, ahead. Sorry, I'm surprised you're not um, talking about the biggest influence, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I love me some Cthulhu throwdowns. Like, <laughs> Certainly, that seems God. that seems like that that's what this film was because it's interesting. Out of all the horror trends. Like, nobody's really done H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, like, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe the closest thing is, like, maybe Lovecraft Country. Although, uh, I feel like that's more like a kind of like a, a racial bent than it is about, like, cosmic horror. Or it's kind of yeah. like, you know, uh, you, you think cosmic horror is bad. And that isn't as bad as... <laughs> 19- <laughs> white people. That isn't bad as white people in 1950s racism. <laughs> Which made me tap out. I was like, okay, I, I know racism was bad. I... I I just want to see people fight against and survive horrors, please. They're like, no, no, keep the real horrors, people. <laughs> I know, I know. No, we see it every day. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but, like, have you guys seen The Color Out of Space? Oh, yeah. I, I, I know. I've heard good things. Yeah, Oh, dude. my God. Now, that I could rave about. That is, uh, yeah, that is, that is, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, it is, Nicholas it is, Cage, right? Nicholas Cage. Thank you. It is absolute prime. He's so effing good in that he's like i thunder I, I love seeing him perfectly cast i love it so much <laughs> going back to the void um matt would or isaac did you finish what do you would you what are your general feelings about the void i thought it's something i respect because did you know it was from, it was funded via indiegogo campaign I heard what? about the monsters they had to crowdfund the monsters yeah. oh, i love uh, that i love they that. spent they mm-hmm. spent like uh, um like $90,000 to get the money, which, you know, I appreciate. I, I guess the mm-hmm. problem is, is it's like one of those things where it sounds like, oh, it's Lovecraft. It's got great practical effect monsters. But I guess it just feels like, it, you know, you needed stronger characters uh, or something to really sell it. It, it. It's something I appreciate, but it just didn't quite have that, like, um, extra level that, like, you know, to be like something I fully endorse. It's more like... I yeah. sense the small scale, maybe. Maybe the, the, the they felt, I yeah like these guys they deserve more money and a great career because they did kill it like that was I, I did like it a lot they they got talent they know where there's what they want it's just that like yeah like I I didn't experience a, a paradigm shift or the explosive like face melt I got from Color Out of Space. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what do you think in all? Yeah, overall, I mean, I'd actually seen it before um, a few years uh-huh. ago, and I liked it then, and I like it now. You know, it's um, it was a for what it is, it's a it's a very fun movie. The way I kind of see this, uh, have either of you seen the movie Grave Encounters? No, not yet. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, that's a horror movie where we have a group of ghost hunters that go to an abandoned insane asylum, and everything, of course, goes horribly, horribly wrong. And that was a movie that I was just sort of like searching around on Netflix one day, and I happened to find it, and I'm like, ugh, fine. And I sat down and watched it, and I really liked it. It exceeded my expectations by quite a bit. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't – was it a perfect movie? No, not at all. And, but that's how I see The Void. The Void is a movie that I just found one day. I was like, eh, fine. And I ended up really enjoying it mm-hmm. for what it was. I mean, yes, it has its flaws. I think it takes itself a little bit too seriously. Uh, I think we could have had a, a bit more fun, but they were going for something, right? And they, I think that they they hit what they were going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the pacing, the characters, uh, their their world building, what they had of it. Um, 
it had a great start where you, you do that feeling of what the fuck is going on here, and that was fun. Um, well, the <laughs> I, my my note in, in the middle of it where like you know a little into like ah oh, we gotta birth this baby. I was like, there's one thousand percent chance there's a demon baby in there. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pregnancy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a theme. Yeah, yeah. Throughout of uh, getting back what you lost or birth of. Of desires. Yeah, but then if you get back that thing that you lost, it will be corrupted. Oh, there's my there's a fun note that I have that uh, I've been thinking about like almost my entire life. Okay, so how about this? Like, what if these beings are right? Like, so like I I, I said this like a long time ago on a message board long ago in, in the nineties. Like, what if Sephiroth is right? Like when like these you get these like bad guys who walk out onto the stage and they're like, "I have seen through space and time itself. <laughs> this is meaningless, and all we need to do is become globule things in darkness." And, and like you have one good guy who always goes, "You're crazy. Shut the fuck up!" And I'm gonna beat you. I've only been on Earth twenty years and known about this topic for about fifteen minutes. You're insane. But like to me, I'm like. Wait, like, what if, though? Like, the guy who has now transcended humanity no longer needs clothes. His clothes are tendrils of flesh. What if he does know something that we don't? Well, he definitely does. Anyway, anybody ever think of that angle of these bad guys? Sure. That is an interesting idea, the idea that the, the bad guy is right or there's some sort of greater good. Almost kind of like, what's that classic, um, I think it was a Arthur C. Clarke story, Humanity's Childhood's End? Mm, Yeah. There's a sci-fi original uh, miniseries, which was fantastic. Oh, was it good? I heard mixed things, but... Um, I liked... Yeah, I liked it a lot. It, it was, it's a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Although, one thing I... And then I listened to the audiobook, because my friend was like, I know where Three-Body Problem's going. It's just going to do this. Which it doesn't. <laughs> but... Yeah. One thing I will say, that like the sheriff and the sun pair are like perfect Lovecraft heroes where they're just like burning things and trying to do the best they can and, uh, you know, trying to face the, the horrors with a shotgun and propane uh, fluid. Yeah, they've seen this before and there's no, there's no, uh, you know, taking your time with this kind of monster. Just burn it. There's, there's no negotiation. We've seen fucked up shit. Uh, don't negotiate with it. Just set it on fire. We we gotta do what we do, even if uh, you know that's what we're, what's gonna happen. You know that that's but, like perfect uh, sort of Lovecraft heroes. Matt, I gotta hear your take on this. Like, what about these people who have now, like, you know, looked through a portal, have seen about a million years of knowledge, and they turn around and go, "We must destroy everything." Like, yeah, that's a lot of knowledge. It's, it's, it is. It is a lot of knowledge, you know. But I think that also this kind of harkens back to H.P. Uh, Lovecraft is always talking about insanity, right? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times it's saying like human minds aren't supposed to see these things. They it will break us, you know. And so yeah, maybe maybe they're right, but that doesn't necessarily mean that our way of life is is just nonsense. You know, or that we're just, or just that, like that anything that we're doing here is is pointless, right? It's like it, you you kind of like anything else, you kind of give it its own meaning, and so I mm-hmm. think taken on a cosmic scale, um, they are right, but it doesn't mean that they need to destroy everybody else's fun times. 
<laughs> let us get there, okay? Let us, like, give, us, give us fucking give us time to time, figure out that. Right? Yeah, let's figure out that we don't need clothes and, and Coca-Cola, all right? Yeah, it, it, you guys have been here a thousand exactly. years. You can give us a couple hundred. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, I, I don't know if this is fair to compare it, but let's say somebody who is just like, you know, been meditating for 20 years or something is like, hold on a second, guys. This is all bullshit. Did you know this is all bullshit? It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, I still... I gotta start killing babies. Like, whoa, whoa, no, no, whoa, no, no, whoa, no, no, whoa. A little slow down. Like, you, you don't get it. You don't get it. This whole thing means nothing. It's like, we know it means nothing, but it's all <laughs> we got. Um, so maybe before we start using flesh clothes... How about we go have a Big Mac or something? Conversation. Yeah, let's, uh, let's 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 get our way there. And if it's so important to you, we can all wait. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, okay. But yeah, that that has been like every time I see that where like bad guy gets cosmic knowledge and he's like, guys, I see the future. And then good guy who has been thinking about it for twenty minutes is like, shut up. Like I'm like. Yeah, maybe we, I mean, like, let's, let's, maybe he does know something. Yeah. He, he has seen the universe. But it's not as much fun so, yeah, if they sit down and talk about it. True, true, true. You can't get the axe to the, the forehead. Mm-hmm. We need that See? axe to the forehead moment. That's very important. I do like that. <laughs> All right. So, um, let's see. Going through my notes here. Oh, yeah. I, I, one of my notes was just like, um, I'm surprised how many notes I don't have. I'm having a good time. Like, the movie just kept me in it yeah. the entire time. Like where like a lot of movies, I think more artificial movies will allow me lots of pause moments of think about this, comment on that. Ah, that Oh, fail here. win there this, I was in the flow of this river of the story they were telling and didn't feel much moments to pause and say, Oh, this moment, uh, it was just like a great flow. Mm-hmm. I didn't take a ton of notes either, honestly. Although there was one thing I noticed near the beginning. Is this thing? This is something you brought up quite a bit, Keith. Is that people mm. in movies, if they're watching a movie, it is an old movie, uh, <laughs> no matter what, because of rights and whatnot. So I think, yeah, they were watching uh, right. Night of the Living Dead at one point. You know, it's just like, but yeah, people in movies watch nothing but old black and white movies. Yes, always makes you roll your eyes. <laughs> uh, um, it, the Star Trek lore decks even made a joke about oh, this. Oh, really? Where, um, yeah, they, they, uh, experienced, like, this one culture, and then, like, they unleashed a dangerous AI, and it destroyed this building, and this, like, uh, they were like, oh my god, all our, our pop culture from, like, basically the modern era that we've been living in is gone! And then, like, one of the Starfleet characters was like, ah, it wasn't that important, (laughs) because... Everything that is important happened before our modern age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I always uh, makes me roll my eyes, but yeah, right. Exactly. That's it. That's what it comes down to. Um, yeah. So, like, um, we we brought up Extro now, but like the daughter beast really to me had some major Extro vibes. The daughter um, beast is, is a good design, but then again, I, I God, I, I love that like style of like animatronic. A uh, fleshy Vaseline monster. Uh, <laughs> you know, the more Vaseline and KY jelly you slather on a piece of latex or plastic, the happier I am. <laughs> I was very, very happy that I could not be taken down by a shotgun or fire. Because I always get mad at that where, like, uh, the otherworldly beings, like, oh, I'm going to give birth to the perfect being. Let's do this shit, blah! And they crisscross <laughs> their eyes, and, like, you know, the big fleshy 
wobble monster pops up and then like it it can be taken out with like a stick of dynamite or something like that <laughs> and then like here it, it got hit and i was like ah is this oh it's still going oh shit it's still going and so yeah i was really happy that uh it took escaping it not um setting it on fire to beat it mm-hmm. yeah um oh one of my notes is like so i i made a note where i was like the, the, up to a certain point, all the characters were doing good Star Trek thinking of like, all right, this is the situation, the supplies we need, situation, and like uh, the space we get to work in. Let's keep, you know, figuring this out. No one do anything stupid. And then I was like, cool. Oh, shit. Fucking chick just went off by herself to get some supplies with no protection whatsoever, far away from everybody. I hope she dies. Oh, shit. I feel bad now because Jesus Christ did she get wrecked? <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. The the lead girl, uh, who I thought was going to be the last girl, um, subverted your expectations. Co- That's the Cthulhu. <laughs> Ooh, she got Cthulhu-fied hard, and I was like, my next note is like, okay, now nah, I feel bad. I I didn't want that to happen to her. Yeah, yeah. Like she 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 met a heck of an end, and then yeah, with her ex-husband um having to kind of you know uh take care of that that was that's pretty brutal mm. pretty brutal yeah yeah i i mean I, I wanted her to come close to death and then learn a lesson but whew, yeah she, she she got it she got it good so mm. lesson please don't don't wander by yourself in a horror movie yeah. <laughs> especially in a lovecraft themed one which doesn't follow the extra rules but I don't know, it's funny, because like, I appreciate so much of what it does with the Lovecraft and the uh, you know practical effect monsters. Um, God, it makes me wonder, though, Like, if you gave like a $150 million budget to like practical effect monsters, would it just be... Would, would the technology allow you to do better things than they did in the 80s, or would it just be like, considered to be you know financially inefficient to what CGI can do? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think... Yeah, having them have such a limited budget also raises my admiration and fun. Like, I, uh, do you guys, you guys all watch Malignant? I have not <laughs> yeah. yet. I've, I've heard crazy things that it's like it's completely stupid. bad shit I, over, it, the, over the top. It, yeah, it makes me fluctuate between not thinking it was good and then going back to going, wait, was that good? <laughs> yeah. I, so, yeah, Malignant's pretty it, interesting. It's so uh, over I, the top. But it's, it's so Yeah, it has so much of a budget and so clean that it never dragged me down into true horror where in here they they they're confined within such uh constraints that like man, the monsters in there is some fucked up shit and really enjoyed that. Yeah, uh in Malignant I, f- I felt like the acting like I almost felt like every character was in a different movie. Uh, it, just, it just didn't feel terribly consistent, and then just like with the, just like the guitar music, like the, the electric guitar rock music, when they're like, I, I don't, that's just, I just couldn't figure out what they were going for. Honestly, when I came in, I thought it was one thing, but no, it's not that. It's not that. It's a. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what it was. I'm watching an action movie? Now? Yeah, it was. It was. It was like a horror action movie, but like the. It's, mm. But I enjoyed it. 
I love the fact that like James Wan used this billion dollar Fast and Furious and uh, what you call it, uh, clout from Fast and Furious and uh, Aquaman to just do a balls to the wall Sam Raimi horror movie. From what I've heard, mm-hmm. at least in terms of tone, yeah, yep, uh, yeah, it's definitely silly as hell. Uh, I was not I I was scared at the very start because I was like, uh oh, is he gonna really try to scare me? But nope, he's just wacky dude having some fun, and then that makes you go, huh? Maybe that is good. Um, a weird thing, like I like doing like uh, watching internet reviews and stuff and background of like uh, movies so that I can get prepared to talk about it. A weird thing with this movie, where pe- like um, the YouTube explains videos uh, of this movie, and I was like, all right, well, let's get a little deeper. And what was weird was all the explain videos. All they did was just recap. It was <laughs> sick and disgusting and soulless. Where, like, I feel like, oh, my God, did these guys get, like, algorithmed or something? Where well, if, you stick in this small lane and do what you the simple thing and you'll just get some clicks. Because, like... It, it's funny you should mention that because it's a larger trend. And in my darker, more cynical moments, I, I'm, like, this close to, like, making an alternate channel. And if it didn't take so much work, I might do it. But th- th- there's this fucking weird new subgenre of YouTube where it's, like, movie, recap, explain, movie, explain. And what it does is it has um, a clickbait title about something that happens in the movie. Uh, like, uh, a girl gets stranded in the woods. But that's not the worst thing when she encounters the mountain of the god. And it's like the recap of like Jurassic Park or whatever. And basically, it's like they, they take the synopsis, put it in like a speech reader program, and just recap the stupid movie. But there are hundreds of these stupid channels that are doing bang up business. And I just yeah. find it's a very funny, soulless subgenre. It had a lot of cl- the, the two that I watched had a lot of clicks. And I was just like, because I, I wanted to go deeper. I was like, is it well, how much deeper does this go? And like all they did, it was, he's like, it starts off with sets girl on fire, and then the guy, and then he thinks the guy is drunk. I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> I saw the movie, and then like, it, I'm not even exaggerating. Where like one of the lines was, he sees a guy on the road and thinks he's drunk. I'm just like, "That's not an insight at all." And like, then they think they think they're being insightful when they go, um, "Does this take place maybe in the Hellraiser universe?" The similarities are right there. I'm like, shut up! <laughs> shut up! What are you doing? <laughs> like, like, um, yeah, I can see the similarities. If I cross my eyes, maybe it's in the Hellraiser user universe, and maybe it takes place in Phantasm, but you're not saying anything. You're just talking. And uh, I got a little irritated, because there's like, yeah, the most insight I got was that the monsters were crowdfunded, which was cool, but I was like, wanted some true deep diving, but nope. It doesn't quite sound like you found, like, the soulless recap, but you did find, the, like, the most basic bitch recap summary, which just tells you what happened, and, and then some useless speculation. But, well, he- Yep, I couldn't even sit through all of SR Fast Forward, and I'm like, <laughs> you really just did this? Oh my god. And wait, was that somebody actually um, narrating it, or was that one of the speech-to-text things? No, it was actually people uh, cutting from a clip of what happened on the screen, then saying what happened oh on the screen. Oh my gosh! Like, dude. Well, at least it wasn't the. How the dare you? Att- I hate that so much when somebody just like uses the, you know, the the the, the robot voice thing. Like, like yeah. you can't 
For, I see that for tech oh, reviews. You can't just, <laughs> those, those just record it? Like, is your voice that unusable? <laughs> like, I guarantee I, I will, it's better than the robot. I, I will say this much. The thing I hate the most about making uh, videos is recording my voiceover. So you will not believe how many times I procrastinate from, like, recording a voiceover. Um, so I, 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 I'm, like, personally, like, if I could get away with, like, uh, having, like, soulless video things, I, I would do it. But, uh, yeah, it is, it is kind of, like, the worst way to produce uh, stuff. Uh, school of Strange Children get hunted down by terrifying creatures. God gives up on humans, so he sends angels to exterminate them. Ugh. A world where humans can live forever, so they use time as money. When you run out of time, you die. Average man travels through time to hook up with hot girls. Baby born as old man gets younger as the years go on. So they're just all these, like, <laughs> fucking movies. They've got these click-to-make titles, and they've got, like, one, you know, as someone who stresses a lot about thumbnails, they just have to get one screenshot, like, whatever the most interesting uh, screenshot from the movie is, and, and, and they're doing boffo business, and part of me's angry, and it's like, ah, sure. I, I want this stupid trend. God damn it. Yeah, no, that's that that's incredibly aggravating when they basically do nowhere. But what's the market here? Like, is it just like people like us? They click on it, like, oh, we're going to get some real insight, and then there isn't, but it's too late. We've clicked. Or are there people being like, wait a minute, oh, was that a drunk I guy? Think, you know, I think I think there I think there's maybe a growing market of people who would rather hear than watch. Because like mm. uh, my 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 friend's son, like uh, he's a a growing geek, and um. Like I, I wanted him to know about uh, Tales of the Jedi comic books, and his first answer reply to me was like, "Huh, that sounds actually interesting. I guess I'll look up some videos on it." I'm like, "Hmm, <laughs> I guess that makes sense from your point of view, but you don't get to see what really is there. And maybe there's a whole bunch of people out there who are just like, I don't got time for the full movie, but ten minutes. Well, it's sort of like going back to Cliff Notes, right? And like, nah, you know, I don't want to have to read the picture of Dorian Gray, but I can get the Cliff Notes, you know, and then know <laughs> what it's about. And then I can talk about it when my peers have conversations. So, I mean, yeah, it is it is a much quicker way to know what the movie was about without having to watch the movie. Mm. Yeah, um, I guess. It's an interesting, a weird thing, world. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so here, here's another critique of the movie, which, once again, like I, 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 I clap, I, I applaud, uh, and like I usually don't, I don't like it when people can uh, dismiss. And I'm not going to dismiss anything, but I hate when people dismiss something because they understand where it came from. They go, you know, oh, it's just the hero's journey, and like, all right, you know, that's not a real critique. But um, so when that ending came, where they are beholding a dark landscape with the pyramid. I'm like, this is the quiet earth ending. Hmm. Uh, huh. Okay. So that took away from me because I really wanted, uh, there's like a ending that happens in a lot of Cthulhu type stuff where, um, they survive the encounter only to run outside to find out the entire planet got steamrolled and they look in the sky and there's just like tendrils like falling down from the clouds and like, you know, you may have survived this encounter, but this was like one site in a planet-wide attack, sure. which is like what I was kind of hoping was going to be the ending of this. And instead, we get the Quiet Earth ending, and I can't help but go, oh, "Shit, man! Like, I, I wish it was like this was the midpoint because <laughs> I want to see this story now. You want to like, see how they survive and, in the Cthulhu apocalypse? Yeah, like what is like 
please like make this the midpoint and let and like uh either show me that we can explore this world which they would never have the budget for it whatsoever and i understand doing a stinger like this which is cool and for your imagination but like seeing them be okay and holding hands and maybe just kind of um i'm not gonna say roll my eyes but like <laughs> Uh, what I wanted was like, uh, what, what, the, the, what I was kind of hoping was like, uh, if we're going to do this, then like sh- show that they are totally fucked, ultimate doom, you're done, you're fucking done. Like, you're about three minutes away from being digested for 15 minutes. Right. And instead it's like, I don't know, I, I didn't feel doom we're, for them. I felt... We're in the new world now, but not that you're you're in a horrible... God, can I can I recommend two things to you that I think might be worth exploring uh, if, if you have the moment? Yes, please. Uh, all right, so there's two like great Lovecraft things. One is a comic book series that was written by Alan Moore called Providence. And oh god, if you love Lovecraft, this is like the uh, MCU of Lovecraft. Alan Moore, mm. in his mad, crazy genius, creates this wonderful tapestry about this gay Jewish journalist who goes uh, across New England and Salem and basically encounters every major Lovecraft storyline. And it's all real. Yes. It's all part of it. And then it ends in probably the greatest version I've ever seen of a Lovecraft apocalypse. Because it fast forwards. There we go. It fast forwards in to like the 19, to like the 2000s into contemporary time. And these police people are like reading it. And it's like, shit, we, we, we got to stop this. Uh, you know, Nagsaran, uh, Cthulhu, it's all, it's all real. What, what are we going to do? So they're, they're like racing around, but then they're, they're little by little, like just madness infects the world. And, and they don't kind of go break down and go insane. They just, they just kind of go along with it. It's just sort of like, oh, what were we doing again? Oh, yeah. And then they just kind of walk around in this alien landscape and they uh, see all these strange Lovecraft creatures while this, um, you know, short little black kid comes in and he explains it. Oh, well, this is it was all supposed to happen like this. And this is just the converging of the universes. And it's it's surprisingly nice for like a despotic vision is like human consciousness is obliterated and everything we had of the corporeal realm is just kind of goes away in a nice little circus. So I, I, I would highly recommend that. And then another thing I'd recommend is um, there's this short story you can probably track down easily by just Googling it uh, called A Colder War. And basically the concept is it's, a, it's like a Cold War story uh, only with where all the Lovecraft stuff is real. So basically like uh, the United States, uh, Russia is like getting control of Cthulhu. The United States has gone to the mountains of madness and gotten servitor bots. So it's basically like this dry cool. military story. About the Cold War breaking out as um, the U.S. and the Soviet Union are, are in an occult race to utilize Lovecraft weapons of mass destruction. Kick ass. Very All cool. right. So I, 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 it's very dry, but it's also perfectly encapsulating of Lovecraft. It's, uh, I, I, I love both those things. So I would, ha- I would highly you, recommend um, those. My recommendation, have you guys both seen The Mist? Oh, yeah. yeah. I love The Mist. All right, cool. Yeah, that that that's uh that's me right there. I was I I I love that movie so much, and the ending, um, like the ending in the book is what I hear, what I wanted them to see, which is like in the in the book, uh, apparently, like you they just drive off into the world's been overrun by the mist, and like in the giant distance, like they see like a a giant 
Cthulhu four-legged monster with tendrils, size of a mountain, walking across the horizon. You do get that in the That's you do I'm get thinking. that in the movie. You just get something also much pitch black, darker, so, which I, I appreciated. Yeah, they did not pull mm-hmm. any punches there with that ending. That was crushing. Yeah, they fucked me up. <laughs> They're like, "Got you, dog." I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Even Stephen King was like, okay, that's a better ending. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you guys need to hear about that, right? Yeah, I heard about Stephen King. He, he, even he gave Frank Darapont praise for that ending. He was like, what? <laughs> I guess maybe. Um, and, and, like, my, 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 my fun fact that I like saying that it seems like not many people know in The Mist, uh, a monster from Monsters, Inc. shows up. Really? Nope. Do you guys know about that? So. Yeah, I, I I watched like I love that movie so much. I, I watched it right away with the director commentary, and like the when they push that soldier out into the outside, and like that claw monster rolls up and and picks him up and takes mm-hmm. him away. That is the character model of Boss Monster. <laughs> oh, like directly, that's hilarious. Exactly. Like, well, yeah, that's so they, funny. Yeah, yeah. Like if you look at it, it is the the shape of Boss Monster from Monsters Inc. What? Okay, I'm yeah, looking it up right so. now. Uh, yep. Monsters, Inc. The Mist. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. But um, so something like one of my sort of random notes while we're on the subject uh, is I noticed there's sort of a sound that goes along with unknowable space horror. It's that kind of like low groan slash chant. And like if there's something like like – you know, like, like that just goes along with yes. portals and horrible space things that are happening. Like this has just been decided that that is the space horror sound. I I would like to see this taken to space opera levels. Like I I, I keep on getting, and maybe I got that with Hellboy. I, I can't tell. Like. I love like what they keep uh, when you do Cthulhu uh, mythology. We're always at the very edge of like glimpsing this, just like you know the cosmic horror, and then like we're always ending before stepping into the middle of that verse. So it would be cool to finally like. I really want to go. I want some fiction to go deeper into it. Like you, you go beyond the port when you go beyond the portal. Now that's where the adventure begins, and now you can see how these giant monsters interact, and I don't know. I want, yeah, I, I love what I'm starting to see of cosmic horror, but I think it's probably the point to stop before you get fully into it. Yeah, but, well, yeah, it's well, a it's well, a fun it's, world. It's, they they have the hint. Well, it's at. interesting the idea that like um I don't know because I, I do appreciate this movie, but like uh, I I guess it's like a finer degree of like because like the mist is fun memorable characters where you've got like the preacher woman, you've got that like that the like kind of ugly store guy who gets all the hero moments before he gets like tragically like taken out. While the ca- the characters mm-hmm. in like this aren't quite as interesting, but it's always that mystical ten percent of like what makes something like a classic versus you know an admirable effort in the genre. Like I you know I'd still say the void is like better than like you know I, I appreciate this ten times more than like you know um, Blum you know when Blumhouse just poops out terrible <laughs> movies or when, when you just right. get like because horror can be like really bad horror is just terrible where you know it's just like terrible jump scares or Annabelle or 
you know, uh, it's conjuring 12, uh, insidious 14. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I always hate the twist where it never meant us harm. It just need a... Oh, God. Can you think of a, can you think of a movie a, where that happens? Yes. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm forget... Uh, I think it's like a... It's like a movie that is like maybe uh, early 2000s, late 90s. It had the word house in it. House... And, and like, I can't remember. Oh, but like, House on Haunted There Hill. was like a... I think that was yeah. it? Like, I was just crestfallen with, at the end. Where, Oh, shoot. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll find out. But yeah, I was crestfallen. By the end of it, the the, the 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 thing was just trying to warn us, or it just needed some peace or release or something like that. And I was like, oh, man, like, what? And then, like, for The Ring, I loved how it subverted that like a motherfucker, where she goes down to the well, and she gives the thing a hug and releases it. And I was like, oh, Jesus, is that where we're going with this? And then, like, they do the fantastic twist of the boys, like, you let it out? And I'm like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> so that that was also another actually scared me. Yeah, that scared me. I love that twist ending, though. Of, like, don't take the teeth away from the monster by the end. That's not mm -hmm. horror. Well, I think in a lot of ways, horror movies are modern-day tragedies. So, you know, like, we used to have, like, the Greek tragedies or the tragedies of Shakespeare and whatnot, where you know, it starts off and you just know that it's not going to end well for everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, like, a, I think to be a true horror movie, um, things got to go pretty poorly for most of that cast. You know, like, you, you know yeah. things are going to go wrong. You know the monsters are going to get them. It's how it happens. Well, it, I think the movie is The Haunting. The Haunting. With Liam Neeson and Catherine J. Oh, Jones. Okay. It, it varies because so, some horror movies, you know, that's the joy of oh, no. getting people seem axed. But I think the, like the, what separates like you know just horror mains, you know, like maybe like a mid tier uh, Friday the Thirteenth from like real horrors, like when you actually have sympathetic characters and th then you kind of like do mean things to them, and that, then it kind of like um, you know that that's when you're like sticking the needle into the audience and twisting it a little bit. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. You have to have characters you give a crap about, you know, like otherwise, what's the point of killing them? You know, mm -hmm. I very much love it when uh, people who don't have it coming get fucking yeah. wrecked. Like that is that's that's when I have some real fun with horror like that. Like that was just mean. How dare you? They're like, ah, well, that's a, <laughs> most horror me? movies need to have those teeth. It needs to be like, if you die, that's it. You're done. And then when you have moments in cabin in the woods where that sort of like nerdy stoner guy comes back after you thought he was dead is so gratifying when there's like an actual moment where somebody you thought was dead is not dead, you know, and for just a second, they can be a hero. Uh, that feels really good because for the most part, they haven't been pulling their punches. These people are actually dying. Um, there was one thing I will say about The Void is that um, I think they were really trying to make us care about the backstories of the characters. Uh, and mm -hmm. for the most part, I didn't. Um, <laughs> Same. I was about to say, like, that's a thing I didn't like where Knives Chow makes it all the way to the end. Yeah. Uh, she didn't deserve to make it. Um, <laughs> and also, like, I, 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 and like me liking her character even. She should have gone down. Like, she had no protection whatsoever. She's completely surrounded. Uh, there's not enough t for her to survive. So, yeah, she she should have gotten the terrible ending. 
And yeah, she completely didn't. She complete. I'd say even completely unscathed and only spooked. Yeah, yeah for the most part. But I think maybe that's something that in general I think you will see sometimes with, with horror movies is, yeah, the character that you want to have survive doesn't. You know, like somebody who like, and that it gives it a feeling of it's pure chance. You don't, sometimes you don't deserve to survive or, you know, you don't deserve to die or whatever. And then it goes the other way. Yeah, I love that. With like uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street where uh, the, the last girl, she does, uh, I loved how she was like, I'm not scared of you anymore. You're just a dream. Get fucked, Freddy. And he's like, no. And he dies and disappears. And just like, great victory. And then at the end of it, uh, she climbs into the car and the car encircles around her and has Freddy colors. And she's like, no. It gets driven away. And the mother gets freaking wrecked. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Good ending. So yeah, with um, this ending, I didn't see enough of dread for the couple at the end where... The the wife, like, she totally should have been... Yeah, they, they, they look too okay. Yeah. Them and then the son and, and Knife Chow, like, they all look too okay by the end when... <laughs> I want... You, if you encounter this, no one gets to really get well, away. Wait, 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 hold on, though. Where did the wife come from? She was real dead. And she didn't... Yeah, right? she didn't go through the portal with him. So what, she died? So she ended up exactly. in, like... Exactly. This moon of Saturn or whatever they were at. You know, like, oh, no, no, that was that that other movie. that they No, they had a great giant pyramid in the sky for this one. So, but where'd she come from? I thought that was cheap. I thought that was cheap. Because, like, she got wrecked, and that's cool because that you go down in these movies. But then, like, you know, she's as beautiful and and safe as ever with her husband and holding hands. And you're just like, I, I almost feel like what we saw was that... I'm pretty sure she's like a real like actress, like known and stuff. Like uh, I forget her name, but I feel like the um, the directors were like, "These are our stars. I want the last shot to be of our true legit stars." Right. Or maybe, maybe they all maybe mm-hmm. she's dead, but then he died going through the portal, and they both ended up somewhere else because they're both dead. And this is uh, this is the, the afterlife. afterlife or something, and the afterlife just happens to be on a desolate all planet right. with sky pyramids. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah, you know what? And like the, the 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 being that was kept on saying, like, I know shit, guys, you don't know. This is this is only a beginning, and there's a world beyond, and and then they carry through with that. So you know what? Sort of okay. It's just yeah. I, I, when I see people go through this, yeah, I want you. I want to see you. Right. <laughs> like you don't get to. Um, have a peaceful ending is, yeah, my mm-hmm. problem. You know, usually they All don't. Right. Usually they mm-hmm. don't. All right. Uh, do you have much more to say? Mm, let's see here. Um, oh, I mentioned how the grandfather really knows how to calm people down. Um, he wasn't <laughs> he just like, just, I don't know, it sort of reminds me of like being in customer service, right? And somebody's like just screaming <laughs> at you to do your job. And you're like, I'm trying, but you're screaming at me. It's like, <laughs> uh, so like that sort of, uh, I don't know, that that was a little, that I didn't like that that much. But I mean, it made sense though. Uh, let's see here. And eh, no, I got, I think I'm, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm pretty good too. Uh, my 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 annoyance. There's an annoying kill where um, they're circling around the crackhead with the knife, and they're like, ah, rah, 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 
And then, like, you know, like, the doctor gets close and the crackhead stabs mm-hmm. him in the neck. And I was like, okay, like, they didn't kill you, man. And you still stabbed a dude in the neck. Now you deserve to die. Take the shot. Take the yeah. shot. And he didn't get... Well, he got freaking wrecked. Okay, he didn't make it. That was that was pretty right. Uh, yeah. So he got... He got it coming. But that, is it, that one scene really bothered me where, like... Dude, like the only way you can survive is if you don't hurt anybody. And like he's like, eh, stab neck. I'm like, whoa, dude. Mm-hmm. Everybody kill him now. And he yeah, didn't get but then later on, he's like, no, I know, I, I know this doctor. He's the bad guy. That's why I did that. It's like, well, you just came across as a crazy crackhead. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and also, um, that's another one of those moments in all fiction that I hate, where dude, just say so. Oh, like, yeah. There's no time to explain. Follow me. Like. You had all the time in the world to go, okay, see all this crazy shit that's going on? This guy's in charge of it, and let's start asking some questions. But say he doesn't say anything? Yep, well, it's because it didn't fit into the Just, narrative. Yeah. yeah that, 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 was my, that, that one scene right there was like a, a, a little bit of a, like a wince, where I was like, <sighs> what just happened yep. here? So. But yeah, uh, all in all, though, um, two thumbs up for me, like... Uh, I like they, they they worked hard within Definitely. their limits. They pulled off like a pretty goddamn solid Cthulhu movie with limited means and uh, even more props for like having the crowd fun and being able to get to that finish line. So yeah, I could see like them being very proud of like getting to the finish line on like their passion. So yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think um, I think they they set out to do something and they did it in sort of an unusual way and they made a really cool flick and I'm glad that it's out there and I would certainly mm-hmm. recommend it. Hell yeah. Isaac? Uh yeah, I I agree. I, I it's not a film I loved, but it's definitely a film I appreciate and I definitely would love more practical creature effects uh, in the horror. So, you know, I'm glad it's a uh, part of that canon. The very limited canon of low budget um Lovecraft. Cool. All right. Yeah, I think that's going to be it for our review. Um, let's see. Uh, Matt, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Hello? Did, did you lose him? That's interesting and perfectly timed. <laughs> well, he did say he had a heart out. <laughs> he did. Um, uh, if you want to find more of Matt on the internet... Uh, look him up at Doc Falconer. Uh, you'll be able to find him. He's got a YouTube presence, and he's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> Isaac, where can you find more of your work on uh, the you internet? You can find me at uh, Lobster Magnet on YouTube. Uh, check out my video essays about a variety of different topics. Uh, in the middle of editing one right now about the many, the three main genres of Marvel. Cool. Yeah, uh, love your work. Uh, Monster Magnet reviews. No, not Monster. Lobster <laughs> Magnet Monster reviews. Magnet. Uh, <laughs> they have antennas don't you grab it is uh the tagline and yeah you can find me at keith justice on instagram i think and keith hayward um yeah i'm out there but you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time take it easy we're out